The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Call to order the city council study session um, agenda, or excuse me, the meeting for Monday, May 23rd. Um, I guess we're going to go right into the discussion items. I thought there was a special meeting, but no mind. So, who would like to present the ethics ordinance resolution? This was intended to be more of a kind of a working session open dialogue back and forth um, in the end it's the ethics expert so that's why <laughs> that's why she's here with us tonight um, so i guess we'll, the way i would suggest and, and it's really whatever the pleasure of council is but to uh, maybe go through some of the drafts uh, section by section and address those if there's questions concerns or input with respect to those and how they call discuss that and hopefully by the end of this come uh, out with a potentially working document that will benefit the city and just have some consistency and uh, clear path for, for not only council members but any other uh, board members uh, subcommittee members employees uh, as this would be applicable to everyone uh, in the city Um, and we're looking, where you said we're looking at the, uh, the first one is ours, right? And then we're going to be looking at the draft. Yeah, one that you have to see which ones, what works and what. Yes, the first, um, I, I guess page two of your packet is what the city currently is the policy that the city currently has adopted. So, um, and then the remainder of it is the, the draft that was previously provided to you. Um, and I believe that one's from Wolverine Lake. And then um, and then I also included the uh, information from MML. All right. Why isn't the current policy okay? It's just a policy it's very vague, and not an ordinance. So the, that's the, the primary distinction. It's part, isn't it part of the employee handbook or something like that? I've heard, yes. Yeah. Does that mean that this is not enforceable? Anything that's on here? Is well, that's for you? Yeah, so it's anything that's in the employee handbook is uh, more directly oriented for and enforceable against employees. Um, as council members, you're not employees of the city. Planning commissioners are not employees of the city. Uh, the city uh, individuals that are part of study groups or advisory committees or boards, commissions are not employees of the city. And while we would expect them to adhere to the same standards as the employees, there is no enforceability provision of it um, as there would be with, a, with an ordinance that could be enforced against any potential. This does say city council at the top. It does, but again, it's more, uh, more of a guideline as opposed to an enforceable provision of the employee. 
don't know, is that just a caption, Susie, even for on the top of that page or is that what it says right from the book? That is exactly what it says. So city light the bill that correct. Okay. So I, I thought the draft, the one from Wolverine was, you know, after reading through the MML book, was a good distillation of of what was in there. It was, it was kind of simple, but it covered most things and, and you know, had uh, repercussions and processes, although I think some of it would be expanded a little bit more, but um, definitely seemed like it was a, a good starting point. One, one thing that I thought though, um, you know, a lot of the things that we've, we've talked about over the, over the years are, are more procedural, procedural oriented. So, Kind of one, one thing I think that should probably be in the ethics ordinance is a reference to a procedural document that could be a living, breathing document uh, from council to council um, in terms of setting up procedures. And and in that way, that gives the, the procedures, you know, some some teeth as well. Right. And that's something that, you know, right now we operate under standing uh, resolutions that, uh, with respect to procedure. I think ours is from the mid to late 80s. Uh, I had also anticipated incorporating well, maybe not in the ordinance, the procedure, but like a document that can be amended and tweaked by uh, subsequent councils as they as they see appropriate. But but that's also worth, uh, and that's something we've been talking about for the past four years of updating the procedures and just uh, making sure that everything is current and still in line with the objectives of the council. Right. I think that should be part of this process that we're going through. Correct. Right. One should one should refer to the other to make it enforceable. If you look at page four, um, at the very the second to last paragraph H, it doesn't spell out what the processes are, but it does, it can kind of progress as far as what you're saying that um, you're reading according to the processes and rules established by the council. So that they're kind of refers to that. Yes. And then they can be incorporated somewhere in there or in a Change some of those procedures. So do that as a policy procedure of council, and then it's referenced in the ordinance, like there. That right. You're that, that, that's exactly what I was suggesting. Yeah. Okay. So separate document. Yeah. Because yeah. this is like you know, I, I reached out to several residents, and you know, I get a list of of things to incorporate, but most of those were procedural. They weren't, gotcha. you know, major ethical things like like are listed in the that are covered in the in the in the draft ordinance. Okay. And again, what is the goal of this? I know uh, Kelly said Bruce has been pushing for this. What what is what are you trying to accomplish? Because I did write this or helped work closely to you know put this together for um, both Wolverine Lake and um, Milford has the same. Mm -hmm. um, and they were just having meeting clarification um, more because they had something like what you have now, which was very not implementation implementable um, as far as council itself goes, and also like members of the planning commission or other bodies of that, it just um, really sets sets it out clearly what's expected and puts does give an enforcement um, and repercussions for members of the 
public body or employees of what gives gives some enforceability. And I think it seems that Lathrop was kind of needing that where there was not a lot of direction as far as if there were issues amongst members of the public body. Um, and, and what do you mean issues amongst members? What do you mean? Well, just any, you know, things of, of not, for for instance, as, as Bruce pointed out, uh, the respect for process. So if there is a process in place, this helps if there's been some controversies about, I think amongst the, to my knowledge, amongst council as to how things procedurally need to go and some disagreements and, and maybe not, oh, this wasn't clarified and you're not following it. Yet I'm re re expected to follow it, that kind of back and forth. So I think that um, something like this, just it, that can be part of it, putting forth what what those procedures are, giving then giving uh, a means for enforcement of that. So you know, there's not discourse or disagreements amongst the council itself. And then also just there's a lot more detail in here that is required if you look at the MML information that is required by law. Some of it, some of it is not, but other quite a bit of it is. And I think it's just very beneficial to a to a public body to have this codified and have you know direction for anyone that comes on in the future, they know what's expected. You know, and it does it is going to apply to um, the employees and appointed and appointed board people as well. So I just think it's a win-win, really. Um, everybody can make it clear, and then the members of the public can see what is expected of their elected officials instead of you know trying to wonder. It's all there. It's going to be. It would be an ordinance. Anybody can look at it at any time and know know what what to expect of their of their employees, the people that their tax dollars are going to pay, and also the people that they've elected. So there have been a few attempts to kind of control things by uh, parliamentary procedure and that kind of thing, um, but that doesn't really uh, set a way for people to communicate, to talk about things, if you have a difference of opinion on something, um, if there are questions um, about things. I mean, I still haven't gotten my FOIA since from May 2nd. So you know, um, it, it seems almost as if it's more of a control kind of a situation rather than uh, something that is necessary beyond what we already have in place. We don't really have much, and again, we don't have anything in place at the portal outside of the very brief language in the charter that deals with council conduct and roles and responsibilities. And it, it, on more than one occasion, it has come up that there are potentially have been issues with council members not following the process or not adhering to uh, certain state laws, things of that nature. And, it, and it's not just targeted at one council and person and individual. It, there's been questions that have been raised both, both ways as to, well, what procedure are we following and, and what is the appropriate you know, remedy for this and who's in charge of that. I think having a, a, an ordinance that identifies this and again, provides a framework for how it's to be enforced, what the expectations are, and also understanding what the potential consequences for deviation from it are 
is as Lena indicated, provides value not only for the council but for the residents to see the standards and the process by which their elected officials are governed. And right now, there there really is nothing in the city that that represents or reflects that. Two questions: How is it enforced, and who enforces it? So it would be enforced. Um, that, well, I guess so it could be part of the discussion on, on how, but um, typically it would be enforced by the council members themselves. Um, uh, and it would be brought forth um, as it's been identified in here on a, on a written complaint alleging violations. And then there would be uh, an opportunity to address those allegations and respond to them. And then council could make the appropriate uh, recommendation on how to proceed with with situations I see that we face If you look at section 216 on page five, um, this, this is what, and this is again why Scott wanted you to review this to see if this would work for your community. But as far as like Wolverine Lake and Milford goes, they wanted their, um, the complaints initially to be brought to the village administrator and then um, the village manager in the case of um, Milford and then go from there you know of course if the there's a there's something that if the complaint is against the the administrator then you know it, there's of course a little different procedure for that but if you read through that that will tell you and that's what we wanted you to comment on if you thought that that was you know something that would work for you all well, I'm make a comment on that. you know i like the suggestion in the, um, in the guidebook we're talking about the council, the combination of the council, the city administrator, and the city attorney as, as the quote unquote board. Yeah, I mean that again, that's oftentimes it's it's addressed and resolved by the administrator as, as part of their investigation and review. But I think if it does get to the point where there is a hearing or there is some sort of we'll call it a contested type of a situation. Um, that obviously that an independent independent panel would be the one that evaluated and I mean we have a construction board that you know we, we borrow from the city of Novi right now right. to handle you know questions or things of like that so it could be a similar type of situation where there you know perhaps there's a, a board of residents or something or you know with staff and legal input on that would be the deciding body for them. Is that what you have in Milford and Wolverine Lake? I think then. Yeah, well, it has where it's the village council in both of those. And the complaint initially goes to the administrator, who then does an initial investigation, but then it does go to council. And if there's any question, you know, then council. And then if it's a, you know, it shows here the village council president um, shall set, uh, or any three council members may require a, a public hearing at a regular special. Um, special meeting uh, to determine to look into that. So it's not just one person here making these determinations. Um, but again, if it's a council member, you know, that the allegations are against, it can't just be that person. I mean, there needs to be other other things. And then ultimately, though, the village council, at least is, is what they do in Wolverine Lake and Milford, that the village council is the does impose the sanctions or they make make their decisions on you know whether they just do a reprimand or you know an official censure, um, censure 
for instance, we had, um, I don't remember the specifics, but there was a case somewhere where, like, where a council member had maybe publicly disclosed something that was discussed in closed session. So that's like one type of an idea of something that where this could come up against a council member. And I think there was just a um, censure. censure for for that because that was a violation of state law and an ethical violation to just publicly disclose something that was discussed in closed session as an individual person, not as a council, you know, the council of whole. So that's just an example of things that could arise that would require some sort of action potentially. And then it was the whole council that, you know, that was their, just the censure was what the sanction was that was imposed. And I must say, well, in my experience, and again, it's limited just with these other communities, it hasn't really, it hasn't been a real great need for, you know, to, to do anything with this, thankfully. But I think it, it is a benefit to have it because then that does help to stop the problem before it could become a problem by having a written law, so to speak, of law of the law of the city. seems subjective. Um, could we go through the standards of conduct and talk about each of these things? Or? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what I anticipated this. Get, get some input feedback and get something that you feel is appropriate or um, included if you feel it's not appropriate or can be modified, you can, you can address that. Well, the first one up is no conflict of interest. Is any so we want to go through each of those as as we are so pretty much the conflict of interest would apply to any any board member or anything and um, if, if they have any um, have any personal uh, connection to something that may be in front of the board that they're making the decision about then that should be disclosed and that might be something that they they need to disclose and make decisions as to whether or not they should be participating in that particular issue. So for instance, like on a zoning board of appeals matter, if one of the zoning board of appeals members um, has a request for an appeal. Yeah, or you know, they're it's it's like a relative or something like that, it could be seen as a conflict of interest. It could be seen that they might be. They might have some influence over it. Even if they don't, it could be an appearance of that. Um, so that would be something where they would want to uh, re-recuse re themselves because it is something beyond what a normal person might have because they do have a connection. So that's that's one. Um, there's a very general. I mean, that can apply to a lot of things, but I think people. I, I think it's a common sense thing as well. You know that you should know when you have a conflict, or if you suspect that you do, then you should disclose it. 
that the board can decide if that if that is relevant or not. Um, and that kind of flows into with the business transactions as well. Um, that would also give rise to potential conflict of interest. Uh, if you have any business with anybody that you're making, maybe potentially making decisions over or that come before you. And again, that applies to all boards. So that would be another thing um, where they should make a, a disclosure of that interest so that there can be no claim of, of a conflict. Um, confidential information, um, similar, you know, if there are things that you do get, that you are exposed to that are confidential um, due to your position, then you can't use, use, use that information to your advantage at all. Um, you give an example of that. We haven't really had any closed sessions since, since November. Well, if you did, and sometimes there are um, like applications, sometimes businesses may make an application for, or if there's like a request for proposal, request for work, there are at times um, confidential information that might be confidential business information that it's someone that's bidding on something um, and you agree to, to keep that confidential until such time as you may make your decision on the bids, things of that nature. What about things being public records and all that kind of stuff? So you, the public records said that probably more applicable would be the scenario that Ann had described earlier with something in a closed session that was discussed, whether it be acquisition of property. If the city had decided they were going to make an offer to buy somebody's house for $100,000 and then, you know, Barb calls her, her cousin and says, hey, if you tell them you can get it for 110 and it's yours, you know, because we, we're going to offer 100. That would be a situation where uh, disclosure of confidential information or if there was pending litigation and we discussed or the attorney handling the case discussed trial strategy or settlement strategy uh, and somehow the opposition then found out about that trial strategy, which has happened, <laughs> unfortunately, has happened in the past where uh, you walk into court and then they say, oh, I hear you guys are going to do this. I said, well, where did you hear that from? Obviously, it came from someone in, in the closed session that disclosed that to the, the opposition. So um, those are probably more the more likely scenarios where that would be because uh, you're right. Most things that are submitted to the city are public, are searchable, and are obtainable. So um, when with the exception of like sealed well, bids and stuff like personnel that. matters though too because this does apply to the employees so in the course of their you know they get insurance information or some sort of a, a medical information or things of that nature as an, in the employee realm of things um hipaa anything like that that's that's also something that's confidential that they can't be disclosing and who determines what's confidential because i remember asking for something i had a FOIA something and it was stamped as being a confidential contract and there was no way that it should have been confidential. So who determines what's confidential? Should be by operation of law, I would say. Yeah. I mean, we know there's a law like as far as personnel records and medical stuff that that is. Um, there's, there's just- There's specific exemptions under FOIA um, for what can and cannot be disclosed when it comes to uh, certain documentation. 
I'm not aware of any contracts that would be confidential. No, I know it shouldn't have been, but it was stamped that way. Unless something like Scott previously mentioned, where it was bids, potential bid on property or something like that. Before it was accepted. So should there be some kind of reference then to the to the laws about what's confidential information? Is it a Do we define confidential information? Yes, information that's obtained in the course of holding public office or employment that is not available to members of the public pursuant to FOIA or pursuant to other law, regulation, policy, or procedure recognized by law. It's defined in the definition section. I just want it to be arbitrary. Um, and then personal opinions should not, uh, an official should not get on Facebook, for instance, and say something um, that, that could be taken as the opinion of the board. The board or the council speaks as one. Um, decisions of the, board, of the council are by agreement, by the majority. That's who speaks. So I think that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're not entitled to your own personal opinion or that you have to reflect the opinion of the, the majority of council. It, it's just that if you're going to be acting as council or speaking for council, um, like you can't represent that your personal opinion is that of the city. Situation several several years ago with a planning commissioner that represented to uh, a certain grant applicant or a grant recipient that uh, position of the city it was it was their personal position and not that of the city and potentially jeopardized the city's receipt of that grant or continuation with receipt of those grant funds. So. Yeah, so it doesn't mean, as Scott was saying, that you have to agree with what the whole council, you might have a different opinion, but you can't represent that as the opinion of the council. Who is responding um, as City of Lathrop Village on Facebook these days? Who has, who has the power to do that? Is that still, Bruce, you still have that power? I, I probably still do. I probably haven't taken away that I'll respond. I've responded since we took the. We don't. Yeah, the city should not be should not be commenting or posting anything other than what's on the city's website, or I'm sorry, the city's Facebook page. It shouldn't yeah. be engaging in dialogue or discussion on any uh, private groups or forums or. I think or... Pam and I are the only two that have access to post for Facebook yeah. for the official. Yeah, on the on the official city page. Um, I, well, Bruce, that, you yeah, know, that's what I was just wondering right, if that right. has been rescinded. Right. In 2019, we had the policy was we were going to try participating on villagers and that. And right. Right. So, you and Cheryl have never yeah. gone to the policy. Yeah. I just so, wondered if that was still the case yeah. because. Oh, okay. What is the official Facebook page? Uh, city of Lakewood Village. Well, we have to have multiple pages. Yeah, that's what I've heard. 
The official one is called City of Lathrop Village. City of Lathrop Village. The uh, Parks and Rec has a Facebook page. The DDA has a Facebook page. And the police department has. That's not, the women's group is not an official. Oh, Main Street. That's the DDA's page. Sorry, I thought you said the women's club first. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I heard. But um, so we just have those pages: the city's page, Parks and Rec, DDA, and police. Those are the only official pages that a city has. Are they all linked together? Uh, no. no. This we are. Um, we're not connected to the police department page. I don't think. <clears throat> I know that I, I can get to uh, DDA, uh, Parks and Rec and the city, but I can't get to the police department page. And why is there a need for so many? I, we all do our own thing. Um, I mean, the DDA is a separate entity, so that's why we have our own, we have our own page. Um, I don't know if there was a reason for um, separating Parks and Rec from the city. I, if if there was a reason for it, I that was before my time. So, moving on then, um, the appearance of impropriety is sort of a, a nepotism, um, and it sort of idea, and it goes along really with conflict of interest, but. So, so they kind of are together, but it just is a little more um, succinct regarding uh, family members and just an appearance of impropriety or it could look like there's some wrongdoing or not wrongdoing, but someone's getting an advantage by being a family member or close relation to a member of a board or an employee or somebody, you know, that is has a decision-making ability, again. So that's just another um, iteration of conflict of interest, really a little more specific detailing of that. Um, and uh, use of the village property and resources, uh, or city property and resources, uh, again, is just that, that um, an official or someone with who has uh, control over property and, and resources of the city should not be using them or allowing others close to them to use those if, if that would be something that wouldn't also be available to the general public. Um, and except there's a few, yeah, the other exception is that it's a, a policy uh, approved by council or um, if there's someone conducting their, their official business. Otherwise, everything should be, all, all city resources should be available to, to everyone equally. To, to all residents. Yep. Um, and then gifts, favors, loans, that is more, I think you can read through those to be more, they're pretty self-explanatory. Um, if you had a question about any of the particulars or if you, um, you know, don't want that, don't agree with that, um, we can discuss, but yeah. I think it's pretty, those are pretty clear. Yeah, I had a problem with one of them. Um, number 10, that kind of surprised me that that was in there. I really think it would be zero. Is there a reason for having something like, like that? 
I think we did it, uh, decided for that because it isn't, it, it was of a, could be considered of a de minimis amount and it would be something like, gee, at Christmas, somebody gives cookies or- Yeah, like you know, if, if, you know, and, and like, around the holiday purchase one for the staff or something, it's all like provided a, a gift. Or, you know, we, used to, we used to make donations um, in the city's name to, to nonprofits, um, things of that nature. It's just so it's kind of a catch, at least why we kept it. It might not be exactly, you know, but we didn't want it to be too harsh. If there are small things that really aren't, the intent of it is not to, to violate or to right. influence or to do that. And a hundred dollars is kind of a, an accepted amount, I guess, okay. of like it would be considered like the minimum. So that if, if there was something that slipped through the cracks, so to speak, it wouldn't be a violation. Anything else on that one? No, can you go through those? Pardon me? Can, can we go through those? Okay. Um, well, sure. Uh, so gifts such as, um, oh, well, it's pretty much any gifts, but then what we're talking about here in specified were things that don't apply. So opportunities, benefits, and services available on the same conditions as that's for the general public or participants at any national, state, or local conference or trade association meeting. So I think that's, you know, maybe allows for certain, uh, certain employees or council members to attend events is what I'm seeing there for that. It kind of allows for that. Um, and then just, you know, anything that you might need to participate in that, not, because not every every um, citizen is going to do that. But if, if some members of the city or whomever you want to send them there, I think that that's best of I guess on that one. Right? Yeah. So maybe if you you like you're at Capcom and a vendor gives you a thumb drive or something like that, yeah. Right, and then that kind of stuff. Yeah. Correct, because then any any member of the public that's attending can get that get as well. That same thing. Um, and then anything that you get uh, fair market value for, there pays fair market value. Um, and then if you want to do a lawful contribution under um, anything that is made under the camp campaign finance finance laws, so if somebody's going to. Uh, contribute to your campaign, then it's a lawful contribution that's accepted from the from the prohibitions. Um, and then yeah, if a relative gifts happens to give you a gift. So that just would cover well that would that would clarify to make make it very clear that if a relative is giving you a gift, then someone can't claim that you're doing something illegal or unethical by taking a gift from a relative. If a relative is giving you a gift as a city employee or as a city council member or? Uh, yeah, like for example, I'll pick on Barb again because she's next to me, but if uh, you know, Barb's cousin owns a cannabis facility yeah. that's looking to uh, operate in the city, 
assuming that uh, is legal, uh, and they give her a Christmas gift. And someone says, well, look, she got a gift from a cannabis industry. What, what up, what's up with that? Why are we permitting that? It's, well, it's her cousin. We can give her a gift if we want it. From a cannabis company or just from him personally? From him personally. So say, but say in that same scenario, there was a, he was he coming also, before the board. And for, he also gave a gift to Bruce and Kelly and Jalen and you, and now that's problematic right. for the four of you. Not for Barb, she's good because that's her cousin. But if that cousin was coming before her, before the board for something else, asking for licensure or something of that nature, then she would recuse herself because that would be... Or she would disclose it as a uh, potential appearance of impropriety or conflict of interest. And again, those situations are typically dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis, looking at each, each, you know, occurrence on a specific level, and okay, is this a, again, just the deepest example uh, further into the ground? But uh, you know, is this a cousin that always gives her a gift every Christmas, or is this you know someone that just came out of the woodwork and happened to find out that she had, was uh, on council and uh, you know made it a point to buy her a Rolex this year for Christmas, just you know because they were nice. And that flows into the number five as well. Um, same idea, only uh, applying to a friend, someone that you've had a personal friendship with. If 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 it's just you know their birthday or Christmas, same idea. Um, and then again, a case by case basis. If it is something more nefarious, not nefarious, but um, if it's not something outside of uh, a gifting due to a personal friendship. And that would be something that could be explored on a case-by-case -case basis as well. Um, and then food, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, so I guess that, that, that is allowing for um, some, some food for some events to be provided. Yeah, it's, you know, it's sometimes like, you know, in, in NOLI, we do, um, or we've done in the past, uh, you know, we'll make a donation to the uh, state of the city breakfast, you know, we'll, we'll donate donuts or something like that, or a consultant will donate a food item that has a value less than $100 for, for that public event, and there's, there's nothing that's bad with that, so. Mm -hmm. The intergovernmental gift, um, we give to an official employee, another governmental entity. So I guess I presume that is just, um, you know, similar idea that right. one person is going to show their appreciation to another. And Chief, Chief McGee is going to send a... Uh, cookie basket to Berkeley PD for letting us use their lockup. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If someone is uh, bequesting someone, we inherit similar, same idea that would be with the gifts, would probably most often apply to a relative or someone like that. So that, that would be another exempt thing. Um, and then as we discussed, 
before uh, with Bruce's question, the $100 limitation on any one sort of. A prohibitor, right? How can you take something from a prohibitor source? Well, this again, this is an exception. If if the value is less, if it would otherwise be prohibited, if the value is less than a hundred dollars or a nominal value. I mean, again, this is subject to your discussion and, and input. Um, if if you wanted to allow to take take a gift or be able to receive a gift from someone that uh, would otherwise not be able to provide you with that, uh, you know, you Kelly gets married. Kelly's married. Uh, Jalen, uh, you know, gets a bottle of wine as a wedding gift from someone that otherwise wouldn't be allowed to provide him with a gift that could be, you know, assuming it's a cheap bottle of wine, uh, he's all right, you know, it's something expensive. But if you want to remove that and prohibit anything, you know, any, that's, that's fine too, you can take that up. Does this include businesses soliciting in the neighbor or in the village, taking people to lunch? Are you talking about employees or? Well, it's for everybody. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It would include if they were, um, again, if it's exceeding $100, if they're you know, taking um, employees out for that, then yeah, that would potentially, that would be covered by this. Any further discussion on those items, or do you want to take any, modify any? Well, number seven, food, refreshments, lodging, transportation, and other benefits resulting from outside business or employment activities. If the benefits have not been offered or enhanced because of the official position or employment of the official or employee and are customarily provided to others in similar circumstances. Can you explain that? I mean, that one's pretty lodging, transportation, and other benefits. Let, um... Trying to think of a scenario where um, if council wanted to go to a conference and we didn't have a, a vehicle large enough to, to transport to all the council members there, assuming everyone wanted to ride together, or if uh, this conference just so happened to be, you know, um, next to a hotel that I owned in that city and I wanted to let council stay in, in those rooms free of charge, um, then that would be allowed it, allowable, assuming that it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't give everyone the suite just to, to allow you over to renew my contract. And so there's no uh, dollar, dollar limit on that one? No, that one I think is, it's as long as it's uh, the same that would be provided to anyone else in that, that circumstance. And again, it's a pretty, that's a stretch to kind of come up with that right. scenario where, where something like this is actually going to fit into that criteria. Uh, or they, if someone had a second job, if an employee or, you know, one of our board members in the ZBA planning commission, that's not their job to be on the commission. So if they, through their regular employment, are getting something that's accepted, exempted, if as long as it doesn't interfere that, that the purpose of the person offering them in their outside employment, this benefit is not meant to, um, to get some sort of a influence over them because of their position on that board. 
think is what that one's getting at as well. But for those that have other jobs, so, you know, like Barb, we'll pick on Barb again, you know, she works for the florist or I <laughs> pick a job and yeah she she was getting some sort of benefit that was going to be provided they were going to take take them take them to the tulip festival somebody that wanted to sell her floral shop bulbs or whatever and as long as that that's her outside business as, they, as long as they were trying to do it to influence her in some way like oh to give her a permit for her for their business and city or something then she can it's unlimited there's no there's no capper it's not an issue it seems like there's some too much overreach here into personal things i think it's just really trying to make it as clear as possible actually because then it won't be a question like where you're i think where you're seeing the overreach it's more of like let's clarify this that we're not going to overreach into that if someone tries to say oh you took you, you violated this it's like no i was doing it for my job my day job and it had nothing to do with my position on the board so i think that just gives it, it actually clarifies it versus overreaching at least that provision i feel It seem real clear, but okay. All right. Um, is there, I'm sorry. So, is there a way we can, since we're making this ourselves, is there a way we could make that definition more clear? Or we can we rewrite that definition or? So, we're, yeah, sure. so I'm you. saying, well, she said it's not clear, so I'm saying, like, she yeah. reword it, give an uh, option to reword it. Sure. We don't want to preclude any. Again, this wouldn't apply to staff because they shouldn't be moonlighting doing another job. But um, if it were boards or commissions that we wouldn't want to prevent them from being able to receive the benefits of their day job, so to speak. Um, so how, like, how, what, what thoughts do does the council have as to how to clarify that? And they're talking about outs or this the definition does include outside business or employment activities and then it says in other words outside activities that are not con connected to the official duties yeah, if you can give a suggestion as to what 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 you're having trouble with as far as clarity, then well, no, we're having a conversation about all of these things. Someone reading this if they haven't had a conversation, I don't know that it's it's clear about what you're what you know what it says. That's all. So can you have a suggestion of how maybe how to we will we word it so more people can understand it? No. Okay, so we're not doing a second. Are we doing a second draft for this? We can work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is not, we we're not taking any that's action not, or anything. That's it's not just, what I was saying. Yeah. What I was saying is that this is an opportunity that we're here right now to be able to try to figure out, you know, we've read it ahead of time and doing the edits we could do here. And so then it could possibly be on our next 
during our next meeting to approve it. So that's why I was just asking <clears throat> for clarity that we are trying to discuss it right now. Okay, but if it wasn't clear, it was a little difficult <clears throat> to rewrite something that wasn't clear to begin with. So that's why we know the questions now. You understand the intent of it though, or what it's meaning to say is if you have a job that you can take benefits that might be provided to you from that job, non-city related, as, as long as it's the person is not giving that to you to try and influence you in your job. I guess I could we could word it that reword it that way. Does that sound better? Yeah, I think we we could clarify a little bit. It's just so that it's outside employment, business, or outside activity that's not connected. Maybe take the parentheses out of that. And, and not connected with your official duties as a city official or a city employee, that you're not precluded from taking advantage of those those benefits that are offered through that through that organization, not through the city. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. So we can definitely re reword that for the next next yeah. Yeah. Does that help, Karen? Does it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I guess I misunderstood too. If this is a working session, don't you normally have a working session and then kind of re pull things back together and then go over it again, or just do it one time? Yeah, no, I mean we can. If there's if there's changes that we incorporate here, uh, we could put it on another study session. Maybe not a solely dedicated study session, but we could put it on a study session agenda. It uh, that a document that implements the suggestions that we received tonight. If there's further comments or suggestions, then uh, we can modify as needed. And then you know, there, this this being different from a zoning ordinance would require first and second reading. So it would be uh, something that after the first reading, again, another opportunity if there's corrections, questions, changes that can be implemented before a second and final reading. So probably at least three more opportunities, yeah. I would think, at minimum, unless there's uh, a need for more opportunities to review it. So moving on then to um, subsection H, is everybody ready? Mm -hmm. And that was what we kind of discussed very briefly before. Two, that um, that just gives a, a requirement that uh, everyone, whether they're an appointed official, an employee, um, there are certain processes that are there and that um, everyone should meet as part of their ethical standard of conduct to perform their duties in accordance with with those rules and processes established and and the establishment of those are by village, village council um, that's village council as a whole um, and yeah in order to make more meaningful um, decisions and to to be able to work for the citizens in the most efficient um, manner possible, I think, by respecting the process. That's kind of the intent of, of that provision as well, to get the most out of council, board members, employees, um, by having a process and having everyone respect that so that things can get done. Yeah, I think the verbiage in there should, as we discussed earlier, should reference specific documents that, you know, procedural documents that, that will Council. We could, yeah, we could put a provision in it says, uh, as reflected in resolutions adopted, similar to how we had in the uh, draft cannabis ordinance that 
the scoring matrix was subject to change, whereas right. the ordinance itself didn't have to be amended every time uh, a criteria yep. changed. Well, and then well, who sets the process and whatever? Like, um, well, I was I was suggesting to say, or as Scott just said, but I was in my notes here maybe saying reference in that provision um, subject to to specific procedural documents that will be adopted from time to time by the city council, and then you you all need to sit down and and decide what. What do we want? Like a procedural document for council, a procedural document for the other boards and commissions, and then maybe, well, the procedural document for the employees is subject to their employee manual. Um, there, they've already got their, you know, and, and if you want to tweak that or add one for that, but then it could just be separate, like maybe three separate resolutions or documents that are adopted by resolution. And then that allows you, as Bruce was saying before, to make that a working document because you're not codifying it in a specific ordinance that has to go for re readings and whatever, but you can change it. But again, that would be by majority vote of the council because I'm adopting a resolution is by majority vote of you. So you're you're the ones making those decisions um, as to what the procedures would be. That sound, do you like that, Karen? Is that fair? Uh, way to do it or in bar what do you think Jason? well no i mean the majority of things have been you know, at least at three votes together so it, 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 um, it just depends on what the situation is with the with the council so how what that, would you how that all goes well again i think this again these are these are uh, processes that Kelly thinks it's funny yeah these you know, like Karen, I can, I am able to conduct myself right here. I haven't said anything. I haven't said anything to you. Let's not do this for that. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Scott. It's again. These are these are processes by which. So if if council, um, you know, one of the one of the things that has come up in this council more so than prior councils is the desire to have more input from residents on on certain issues. So if the if the council decides that uh, it should be part of the policy that before there's any um, uh, any ordinance uh, being adopted or, or considered for adoption that um, in addition to the two public or the two public readings required by law that perhaps they were gonna hold up a, a public hearing um, that that's a policy that council could adopt if agreed upon by council members. It's not necessary necessarily policies that direct so there's already implementation of it will back up so, so council's role is just again for the sake of discussing this council's role is to to create policies and establish policies for the city that are then implemented by city staff council is not the implementing body council is not the day-to-day -day operation but they're the policy the policy creating and the policy guiding so if there, if there are procedures that council would like to include or amend or omit in that policy decision process, those can be part of this type of a type of a document. And again, we can look back to the to the rules of procedure that are currently in place that, that are being roughly applied. Um, I think cleaning those up and because there have been a couple situations where there has been confusion um, and as I acknowledged before with the 
the organizational meeting that's identified in the charter. Historically, the city hasn't done that. However, you know, based on the conversations, I think it, that's an, an important policy that, uh, you know, whether or not, um, you know, there's a meeting scheduled that within that time frame that council will have this orientation or, um, you know, if there's, if there's, I know there's, I've had some conversations that uh, perhaps requiring or implementing standards uh, for minimum amounts of training, that something like that could be included as part of the policy uh, for council members that they, you know, in order to to solicit meaningful involvement uh, from both not only the public but the council that council be required to maintain so many years so many hours of continuing education on uh, you know zoning or um, you know whatever whatever the, the requirements of council may want but i think those are things that would be more included and, and oftentimes those are things that are subject to change um you know if the standards change and as far as continuing education or what what trainings might be available or offered, then then that document can be amended without having to amend the ordinance. So we can do that today. We don't have the, the standing resolution as part of the packet, but we could kind of discuss some things if we'd like to. We could do that today as well uh, once we finish the. Good with that for now, and and then um, I is, is conduct of public meetings. Um, so that's just pretty much common sense things I would say. Um, and sometimes I think things can can get out of hand. You know, there there are hot button issues, and people don't always agree. And um, you know, it's just human nature to to feel emotional about things. But I think this sets down in writing what the conduct is that, that everybody needs to abide by to, once again, get the most out of every council meeting, um, get the most for the members of the public, get make have decisions more, made more easily, streamlined, stay on topic, um, that sort of thing. So I don't know if there's any, any, um, provisions in there or anything that, that you would like to be changed or don't think is is correct or it's, wouldn't be useful or mine is cut off just conducted public meetings village officials and employees participating in public meetings shall prepare themselves then what do we say uh, for public issues so you need to be prepared when you come in I've looked at your packet materials be ready to have a, a, a good discussion um ask, you know mm -hmm. ask Good questions. Listen courteously and attentively to all public discussions before the body and focus on the business at hand. They shall refrain from interrupting other speakers, making comments not germane to the business of the body or otherwise interfering with orderly conduct of meetings. So that applies to village officials and employees participating in the meetings. I don't, I don't have that. That's all an eye. Okay. Well, none of that printed. Yeah. No, it's I, not. Uh, it's at the bottom of the page. We got one line. One line, and then the next one. This is what we have. Printed them all straight from the packet. It's in the packet, though, online. Right. It's on the. It's online, though. It's available under yeah, Unicode. Yeah. yeah. That that last little bit goes on onto the next page when you print it out. So again, I'll just read it real. 
Village officials and employees participating in public meetings shall prepare themselves for public issues. Reasonable. Listen courteously and attentively, attentively to all public discussions before the body and focus on the business at hand. They shall refrain from interrupting other speakers, making comments not germane to the business of the body or otherwise interfering with the orderly conduct of meetings. So that's again, just general. Um, self-explanatory and again it, it's you should always be doing that just as courteous um, elected officials and and employees but again i know you know myself get we do there are emotional things not everybody agrees but um so we need to keep that in check so i think it's a good thing to have that in writing as something that if it's not complied with there will be a consequence that the other board members or you know or the or council members and or the council against any employee that might be not abiding by that that they, they can take some action to help correct that and not just let it keep going on so um and then the final uh j which i don't know if you had that printed was just talks about that um nothing in in here is an attempt to lessen or make any less important any other requirement of law but yeah of course all officials should and employees should um, comply with all laws and the performance of their duties okay part of i the uh, prepare shall prepare themselves for public whatever it said about reading your packets and that kind of thing there's somewhere we can make sure that the charter were uh, or the uh, we're, we have to have our information by Thursday night. There's somewhere that that can be enforced. That's the part of the procedural. Yeah, and I think the big thing for that though is that if there's items that are added to the agenda last minute, then there's gonna have to also be a cutoff so that there's adequate time for staff to get that information into the packet. More often than not, things are flying in Friday afternoon to be included for a meeting on Monday that then staff is working on the weekend to prepare the packet and get it out. So if there's uh, a deadline, a cutoff date for agenda items, so uh, you know, it, the current staff on oh, a week in pretty difficult to say. I mean, almost even that Monday or Tuesday, because I mean, it's. Well, that's, it's difficult to be fully prepared, um, you know, to get a packet on Friday night, that's 80 some pages to, to go over. Um, when when, when our, the rules clearly say we're supposed to have our packets of information no later than Thursday night. So um, that, you know, there's a lot of material to go through if we're going to be thorough, if we're going to be be prepared then uh you know it's difficult getting things at the last minute so are there that many things that have to be thrown on the agenda you know the day before or two days before or right and i will say i mean don't forget i mean right now is we are under extenuating circumstances i would say for the packets i mean we are not fully staffed still so um you know, trying to juggle getting. So prior packets. to prior to this, they, they were you got your always got your packets on Thursday. 
before Thursday evening. I'll tell you, when I was doing it, when I was the manager, they didn't get them till Saturday. Yeah, it's usually been on Fridays. Yeah, yeah usually it's Fridays. Five years of but that can definitely be, I, I totally see your point, and that should be that way if we're going to require that. So that's something moving forward with the new administrator. That could be one of the their main, you know, a, the top priority with them. And with that in mind, though, again, then the public, everybody that is, wants things, they will just have to be stuck with the strict deadline yeah i mean so, sometimes now the speed of information moves a little bit quicker and the expectation is that it doesn't matter they can submit it and it'll get to the packet regardless of and this is not this is probably more so for uh applicants and things that are are trying to have stuff done um, deadlines are very arbitrary uh, you yes. know we might not get information until four o'clock before a meeting at, at six so right but i yeah. think it's a good Thing to strive for moving forward once that once you are ad adequately staffed to try and get that going on more of a more strict basis of yeah and that the the, uh, the Thursday night deadline that's part of that uh, 1985 rules and procedures that I did just circulate it to everyone so if you have an electronic copy of that um, that's that's one of those things that would be included should be updated, it, but I can it, say it in 11 be, years, again, the police think, delivered mine, and I got them on Friday for 11 years. You know, uh, and again, a lot of this stuff is, this was done before email um, or even word processors were created. So, you know, a document that had to be typed and, and read, uh, it, it, you know, access to information now, cell phones, laptops, and in 1985, this was not a realistic possibility well so. right but it still takes you as long to go through the packet if you're if you're it does, preparing but, you know, and reading and whatever so you know to spend the whole weekend staff doesn't want to do do stuff to spend the whole weekend preparing for the you know for the meeting is um if there's going to be these regulations in here that you have to do this then there needs to be something that allows us to be able to do that i that, that's very fair to have a conversation between council and their needs and the administration and what they can do and then come to an agreement on what is reasonable for the cutoff time and then yeah put put forward that if they receive their information you know if the cutoff or packet deadline is or, or for you to get it you need to have your stuff by thursday well then their cutoff and not adding any new agenda items or anything should be, you know, what day you figure that out, maybe the prior week. That's yeah. what it's got to be because you have so to, to work your jobs as well. Right. But I do I think, you know, once you get it, won't be done fingers crossed, a full time administrator to take that position. That's something that's coming in new. They should be able to work with them to get them to get sure. on that course, you know, from the get go. That might be a good way to. They just start with that, you know, so it's not like something they have to backtrack on. Thanks. And as Scott said, keeping that in those rules that allows you to flow with it too, to change. Like, oh, if that is really not that you guys pick a date and it's really not working for administration or for you all, then you are able to switch that up more easily. But it just takes dialogue. You know. Good I should, you know, if there's something important enough to be on the agenda and there should, it should be important enough to have enough time to be able to 
Um, and then your meaning so much, you're not explaining for the applicants or the administration or whomever is bringing up the issues is not spending so much time explaining what it is and then taking questions of just very basic questions of what is this even about. Hopefully the council members would be well informed to know and not to shorten the, shorten the process by not asking questions that are would have the answer right in the material if it was fully able to be digested. Um, so moving on then, I guess. Uh, disclosure. Um, it just talks about if you do have a conflict of some sort or impropriety potential, what the official or employee is required to do um, and refuse him or herself and refrain from participating in the matter any further, inform um, his superior, if any, and then file with the village clerk a written statement of, about the reason for the re refusal and it will notify members of council so that that may be attached the next uh, minutes of the meeting. And in the case of council, if there is something that they can't participate, of course, they would just announce it at the, at the meeting um, and then council is, is informed immediately and it would be in the minutes because that would be part of the minutes themselves and would be attached for, for a member of council doing that. And then as far as um, compliance and enforcement, um, it sets out that, that this is what would be expected of, of the employees and um, officials. Um, and that the council members themselves have the primary responsibility to, to assure that they understand and meet the standards expressed in, in this ordinance that you're going to adopt, hopefully. Um, and that way the public can still can have full confidence um, that complaints alleging a violation by an employee shall be filed. So this, this just gets very specific as to what, what the procedure would be um, where there's either a complaint of a violation by an employee or a board member or council member. Um, so I can pretty much just read, I guess, read this out loud if that's what be the best way to explain it. So if there's a complaint alleging a violation uh, of this of the ethics ordinance by an employee, um, they then those complaints are filed directly with the village or the city administrator. And then the city administrator will do a an investigation. So that's like a, a preliminary investigation um, to establish whether or not there really was anything that occurred. Uh, and be appropriate, they will come up with an appropriate sanction that should be imposed. But if the employee is a member of a union, of course, then the union rules are going to take precedence there. Um, so again, that's, and in this case, the as, as with the city here, the, the village administrator or the city administrator is the, the person who manages the employees. So they are anyway, that is their job to, to be the, the one that, that does um, make the decisions about the employees with some exceptions. Um, I had sent Karen earlier, she had a question um, regarding the role 
of the different officials, which maybe would be beneficial for actually sent to everybody, but that were just the appointment of different officials where just as a quick little brief overview, um, council directly appoints the administrator and the city attorney. And the administrator will appoint the department heads and the um, clerk with council approval after that. But, the, but they're the ones that make the choices initially and council can accept or reject those. And then other anybody else is considered just an employee, not just an employee, but an employee. <laughs> sound like that, but um, and that they are then directly um, employed or, or hired by the administrator and are under the direction of the administrator. The decisions. So I know there's been some questioning that. By, by council of, you know, well, why did, why do certain people get hired? I didn't know about it and that. And of course you can always have an informational that they will report to you for sure about the employees, but it's not, it's not your business. And in fact, the charter expressly prohibits you from interfering with those decisions um, and getting into the day-to-day -day business of, of those. And that's why we have the administrator and the various department heads to handle that. So, so I kind of got off on a tangent there, but um, that's kind of why it, the first line of, um, of complaint for an employee would go to the administrator and not necessarily um, directly to counsel. Um, and then complaints alleging a violation by any elected or appointed officials are again filed with the administrator who does investigate as a as the first person and as a first line of investigation. And then if they um, believe, have get a reasonable belief that a violation has occurred, then they report the complaint and what their, in, their initial investigation was um, along with their findings to the council. Um, and then in addition to receiving complaints from the village administrator, all village council members shall have a responsibility to intervene when they learn of actions of another village council member or other village official that appear to be in violation of the ethics ordinance. So it doesn't just leave it open to um, complaints by, by members of the public. Um, and it does put a specific duty onto you as members of council to take action when you see and I, you know, I think this this section probably could use a, a little bit of clarification and follow up. I, I don't, I don't want to see a situation where council members are going around accusing other council members of violating these provisions and then starting their own investigations. I think it should be the responsibility should be on the council members to notify the city administrator of potential and then and then have the administrator follow through with the normal investigative procedure and then report back to the council as a whole so that the council as a whole can proceed to the next step i just think that that we could clean it up a little bit will there be a form to fill out or anything like that I, we could make one. I, I mean, I don't think it has to be anything 
I think the, the it should be in writing. It could be an email or a letter. I think um, I, again, I think the administrator uh, that would be part of their responsibility is to to document a written documentation uh, of what their investigation entailed and what. Uh, again, it's not when when it comes to elected or appointed officials, it's not the administrator that's going to be. Uh, deciding what the, the punitive aspect of it, that would would come from the council. Um, so, I, but I do think it's important that they document this is the information that we reviewed or I reviewed, and, and uh, based on this complaint, and this is this is the information that I collected. So and again, this is something that council will receive if they feel, and we've kind of discussed this previously. If council feels or council members feel that there should be additional investigation or uh, additional findings made or if they feel that um, there's a, a potential bias or conflict in the administrator doing the investigation, then they can either refer it to uh, the police department or to the police department to refer it to an outside agency to conduct that investigation so that there's, again, uh, kind of a level of separation uh, so that there's no appearance of impropriety. And you'll flush that out in there. Yeah, I think that again, I think you know, that is an area of this that you know, just my my belief and what I if I was sitting in those seats, I would ask, I would want that to be included in this. Um, again, just because from time to time things are alleged that there are, you know, collusion <laughs> collusion. Right. Yeah. It, it gives a second channel if if you know somebody's filing complaint doesn't think that the City administrator is being objective. Correct. Challenges come from residents. Complaints from residents? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And it says three council members, and um, two council members are able to call a special meeting at this point. Is that something that could be changed to two council members? Section E. President or any three council, so you prefer it to be any two council members. Then that wouldn't be a quorum. Yeah. That would be that doesn't that wouldn't be a quorum then. Well, it, again, it's, it's not this a is just calling for only two people were or, or just requesting it. Not yeah, and, it and that provision is is requesting a special meeting or a public hearing on the issue uh, or whatever the complaint itself is. Um, there is already again, this is kind of crossing over, but. Um, uh, study session meetings can be called by the mayor or by two or more members of council. So if not related to ethics, process if two council members wanted to have a study session, they could make or a, a special meeting. Yeah. Or, or a special meeting. Right. They could right. make a request. Okay, right. so that, that makes more sense here. Change it to two. Yeah, unless we change it in the council rules of procedure to three. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I would want to throw out my suggestion again for this this section here. You know, again, based on what I read in the, in the MML um, guidebook on ethics. Um, two, uh, eight. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to me like it should be a, a slightly bigger body than just the council people. I mean, um, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, since everybody's picking on Barb today, you know, Barb, Barb and I could, you know, be accused of getting something from a cannabis organization so now you're now you're limited to just three council members to, to make a decision 
Um, so it would be nice if it was a, a slightly bigger body. Plus, I also think that the, um, you know, both the city administrator as well as the, um, you know, city attorney have a vested, you know, typically and hopefully impartial um, view of what's going on in the city. And I think they would be, um, could provide valuable input to, to that, that board's decision-making process. And I, I know other cities have done that. And when I was reading through all the different options of the way that these boards are configured, that one kind of struck me as being, you know, one that might be applicable and it makes sense. And I don't know what other people's opinions or views are on that, but um, it, it seemed, seemed to make sense to me. So you're suggesting village council plus the city administrator and city attorney to make the, to, that. to make the, 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 the board but okay. I would I mean on that I would uh, I think council could I would decline I would say it probably would be best to have the attorney not a part of the decision making mm -hmm. uh, body if that way if there are questions on what the legal standards are or definitions that the individual providing the answer to that question is not also making the determination as to whether or not that standard has been met. Uh, so I think. Or how do you feel about looking at that last sentence where it does say, just specifies in, in complaints alleging a violation by a member of village council, that member shall not take part in the proceeding. Would you, do you feel the same that council as a whole could make the decisions on employees and members of other boards, but then add add additional itself. just where it's alleged violation of, of a by a member of council then you could add the additional yeah that's a good suggestion. To that and just leave it as you as a decision maker for employees and board other other officials but yeah. where it's involving council we could specify that to add somebody with a well the administrator there maybe yeah um or i don't know what other who else would be I'm trying again, and absent creation of a, 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 you know, an appointed position that, you know, I'm thinking like the board of review. I mean, these are individuals that it's a paid position uh, that they are selected from the community based on qualifications and past experience that they would then come in and they would conduct the public hearing. They would conduct the disciplinary if it, if it were to be a council member that would be subject to that action. And again, that that appointment or that board would go through the same process as any other board. It would be um, applications would be received, recommendation uh, for the position to be filled would be made by the mayor, and then appointments would be confirmed by the city council as a whole to that board. So you're suggesting a whole new. I'm seeing as a possibility. I'm not necessarily suggesting that as a great idea. Um, just saying that that is a possibility to get. Uh, and again, that board can be. Typically, those those boards would be comprised of residents um, that would apply for those positions, and again, be selected based on their qualifications. So, the alternative would be to have uh, you could have the DBA board or something. Uh, members of that board could potentially serve on it. Uh, what about taking? Yeah, but again, spitballing taking the, the the chair of the other chartered boards. To add them to the the council as and the city administrator to make a bigger, I'm just thinking out loud here. Again, yeah, it's you know you're you're 
creating responsibilities for at least with other entities you're creating you know planning commission for example you're creating a role and responsibility for a planning commissioner that's not mm -hmm. been identified under the planning enabling act so right. it's really not a an appropriate function of the planning commission to serve in that capacity whereas if the city created and now maybe they would select some candidates for those positions based on experience on a board with the, with the city or experience on the dda with the city as you know a stakeholder in the community whether it be a, a property owner a resident um, and like an ethics an ethics board and again it would be a board that would hopefully Probably meet not. very infrequently if ever um so or an ethics committee a neutral board yeah that's what i mean that's what we're trying, trying to obtain as, as neutral as possible board um, the deciding body body his only duties are to act in the event there's a hearing required under section yeah, I'm kind of thinking like the construction appeals board, which yeah. has never met. But is, is so. there any sort of um, board at the county level that would like an ethics board of review type of deal at the county level that we can borrow? I don't know. Are you familiar with any board at the county level? That no, I don't. You know, I don't get involved with city things. No good idea, but I don't. I'm just thinking, like, from a standpoint of like total neutrality, like, they're not involved in anything. You're not at the whim of, like, oh, well, this person well, selected right. for that. It'd be good that yeah. residents make that be part of that decision, not somebody from the county who doesn't have a vested interest, I guess. Well, again, this isn't about vested interest. This is about application of the standards to the conduct and then determination of what, if any, punitive measure would be. So it's not. These aren't going to be this, this board or this body is not going to be making any sort of policy decisions. Um, it's simply going to it would be an individual or individuals that have the ability without any sort of bias to read and apply the standards to the to the alleged conduct. So it's not um, that would be our proposing in addition to the council. Or stand alone. In addition. Yeah, I like the bifurcated approach, whether it's a employee versus council, and then council be the board with an addition of residents. I guess in this case, because they have to be residents to be on the board. Yeah, and I, well, if, if you were to do something of that nature, what, how many are you thinking? How many do you all think would be a good addition to a number that you would want? Because we'd, we'd have the council members already. Correct. Maybe three. We'd have to meet at the odd number. Correct. In the three. Council members. Eight. Oh, eight. No. Right. Four. Oh well, right. well, one of your well, depending on what it would be, one of the council members. Some of the council members are going to be eliminated, right? Yeah. Right. So, so it really depends on what your complaint is going to be and how they're going to be alleged to be involved. So right. three would probably be reasonable, but yeah. I mean, I would think it would be two council members together. I would hope, or I hope it's never. I hope it's never, never anybody. Uh -huh. I think that would be more event. I'll keep it at a more manageable number too, and 
agency. And again, did you want the did you want the um, administrator to still be part of that? Because that was also going to be another person. So the administrator plus three individuals or the administrator plus two other individuals. I don't even know. Or do you think the administrator should not be on there? Well, if you have a, if you have a board of three people, maybe we don't need the administrator. And that way it keeps them. The, the administrator has already determined whether it's coming or not. Right. 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 But they're not the final. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They're not the final. But you're right. I, again, I think because the administrator serves at the pleasure of the council, I, I don't think it's appropriate for the administrator to be to making that determination. Um, and you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak to the administrator, but they may not want to make that determination if asked. Uh, the city does have a, a labor attorney that uh, is pretty much removed from the, from very much of the city operation. I mean, we could in, inquire as to his availability to perform um, on that board or solely as his decision apply. I, I don't really know. I mean, it's just again, throwing out ideas for potential people. I like personally one voice, but I, I like the, 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 the three person committee in addition to council. I don't know how others feel. Um, might be a good idea to have uh, residents apply and just pull them on a rotating basis as needed and add them in. Well, again, you would want, I would recommend that, you know, if, you know, if this becomes, uh, in order to the city that a, a board be convened and placed on basically on standby applications can mm -hmm. be taken uh, and some again subject to confirmation of council those individuals could could be trained on what uh, you know what to, what to look for what to do and then how how to proceed in, in this scenario uh, and then should that event arise or the need arise for their input then they can be you know summoned to to make that determination and the board to be the three residents to be appointed as other board members. Yeah, have. same in the same manner that you know they are they submit applications for that position based on qualifications. Uh, recommendations are made by the mayor for confirmation by council. I almost think that having a take that out. board that doesn't involve council or that you know if. If one council member were to, to make a complaint or two one or two or three council members to make a complaint against another council member then those one two or three council members aren't also deciding the fate of the individual they just accused of violating the ordinance like that could be a potential um, thoughts on that so do we just make a separate board of five people it's kind of what i'm thinking maybe three people that do it if, if the, com the complaint involves a council member that the council as a whole is not going to be the one evaluating i mean the administration will still do the investigation and present their findings to i mean council can be present obviously but they're not going to be the body that's going to be um, evaluating and applying the standards and the ordinance making the recommendation. I think they should be a recommending body and then council can obviously adopt or not adopt their recommendation. Because the next session is about imposing sanctions. So we probably should 
mind the discussion now too, because yeah, do you want to kind of the board would then make that just determination <coughs> that there is a violation, then leave that to the council imposes the sanction. I think the sanction could be a recommendation from that body. I don't think that body should be the one that implements the sanctions. I think it should be a discussion among council members as to what the sanctions are. And again, I think um, you know, Mr. Schwartz is a possible member of that being intimately familiar with labor disputes and uh, escalated discipline. I mean, I think he would be a, a great candidate for that that type of a role, especially when it came to making recommendations to for sanctions. But again, to clarify though, then we're only talking though about violations from council. Other right. employees, everybody else is still going to be on right. council. Right. Right. This goes against the charter because it says removal from office. You can't be removed from office unless you uh, have a felony, right? According to what we have right now. Yeah, I mean, if there's a, um, I think it's a violation of a state ethical standard, which again, most of these are, are just duplicating the state standards, but with a little more clarity. Um, I think that's I certainly think removal from office is an extreme remedy that um, I certainly wouldn't recommend that an individual be removed from, from their position based on, uh, you know, again, it would, it would be dependent on what the violation is, but um, I think if we were to proceed with to that approach that that would be governed by the charter and state law on what's required for removal. Yeah, it looks like so what they did in their, in their ordinances, they said uh, they, they referred back to that similar section in the charter saying that this would be, what is it, oh, it would be deemed a misconduct in office. Correct. If any, you know, so would that, would that, would, would Does that, have yeah, we do get, yeah. So and that, again, that was, part of the problem with our charter is that it's really loose. It's not defined what, what constitutes misconduct in office. Right. Obviously, so it's a higher standard than, you know, not being prepared for a meeting. Right. Um, but that's why I think if, if it were, you know, if, it, if an individual were to be subject to enough disciplinary action that it were ever to rise to the level, that that would be, that would probably be handled by an outside. That would probably be referred to the state attorney general for, for removal for misconduct. And we can identify, we can identify that should it, you know, go to that level, should it ever, anything ever rise to that level. Um, so that needs to be, yeah, needs to be changed. I probably would take that out as a, as a violation of this ordinance, a, a consequence that falls below the level of misconduct in office. So you know, this would only deal with anything misconduct in office below. Mm -hmm. And then if conduct was to constitute misconduct in office, that would then be dealt with. Although their, their ordinance did um, didn't just, and I think what we're discussing here is right now is just about council members, but it actually also applied to other um, members of boards, which would be the same, the same case here. So I think you should still, I don't know if you agree, Scott, still have that ability to remove a, a ZBA member or a planning commissioner or somebody for misconduct, they can be removed. Is there office. anything in, in there? A, you know, is there anything in their rules that cover that? Since the DDA is separate, is there anything in the rules that 
I think there's provisions in the DBA bylaws for um, failing to attend meetings, yeah, similar to failure. council members, but I don't know that there's for. I don't think we have anything necessarily for conduct. I definitely for um, absences, it can be removed. Um, but this would apply to them as well. So they could, if they're, if council felt that there was an ethical or a violation that was of such a magnitude for removal from office, council could decide that, at least the way this is written. Yeah. I think your concern is just not having a council member, elected official right. by the people right. removed, for, but not just still no, I think, that. Yeah, like the appoint, appointed position, appointed board, and advisory commission positions, I think. That's well within the, the purview of council to remove an individual from that that role, should their conduct rise to that level. But I'm I'm just speaking strictly to other council members, given that it is a position that's elected by the residents, and that there are state statutes in effect deal with this kind of Being reasonable. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes, that's what that this implementation was an important thing um, in our other communities just to make sure that uh, everybody is well aware because it was something a new ordinance that was being um, had, that had been adopted and it, this is just basically to make sure that all board members, ZBA, planning commission, other things like that are um, informed and thoroughly familiar. Um, and so we did, upon somebody being newly elected or appointed to boards or hired, uh, they were receiving an acknowledge a copy of the policy. Exactly. That's just uh, to clarify that that needs to be done and that's put in the ordinance as well. There's no question. Maybe at the, the next study session, we can go over the procedural document that you sent to us. Yeah, I would say that, or we could print it off. I mean, it's only six pages. I don't, I think everybody's seen it at mm -hmm. least before, maybe not recently, um, but it was part of the helpful um, training that I provided as well as part of the, uh, that COCO provided. So um, on the parliamentary training. So we, whatever the pleasure of council is, if we want to talk about it tonight, Sure. So print out five, six copies. Yes, I can print it if you like. We'll print it. That's Can fine. I talk about it tonight? Sure. Sure. Return. This was silver. The question is what becomes of the 1710 of the personnel manual. I think that still uh, would remain in there. If we, there shouldn't be any conflict. No, there shouldn't be. In fact, there's probably a little more uh, 
that's in here that we could include into um, conduct to be uh, included. But these are these are possibly absent absent party, for instance, you know, that's something more six employee 13. related. Um, on the yeah, these again, these are more probably geared towards employees, but um gambling on state property, yeah, misrepresenting time worked. So I don't think there's any issue with this being, I think this in my opinion can just stay because this clearly isn't conflicting with this at all. This does give some real specifics. For yeah, and, and, and these as part of the employee manual too, these would be used for disciplinary purposes if, if an employee were to um, conduct themselves in that fashion. I mean, or the negotiation taking this part of the office is not going to be done under this ordinance. It would be done as a result of the conviction. Let me take a um adjournment, right? Or just leave. We're not done, right? No, what? We're not sick. adjournment. I meant a um a break. Thank you. Well, there's three council members together. I don't think Kelly's going to win. I hope not. So it would be, uh, it would be done consistent again. The, well, everyone's here, but uh, well, just read this was the card I pulled up. From. Oh, yeah. And the, so again, we will talk about that here probably in the next. Let's go check. Not part of the administration, but under the charter, the appointment it would follow the same rule for appointment of boards and commissions, which is which is applications are received, appointment uh, recommendations are made by the mayor for individuals to take those positions, and those recommendations are approved or confirmed by council. That's how we currently do it, and then those those appointments are unless otherwise specified. I would do them probably redo them. Annual. Mm -hmm. we, we typically every January 
when we did it this year, reappoint to boards and commissions. That's not a bad idea because you get more participation. You just leave it a year. <laughs> yeah, and again. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, hopefully it's a body that never has to, to meet and right. convene. So. Yeah. 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 Not everyone said they wanted to discuss this now. Well, this document was provided everybody to the, during the council training, but also provided again during the parliamentary training. So this is not this is something that everyone should have had. If we want I, to pass I, it to another time, I have it, but it isn't something that I just looked at to yeah. go over. I, I kind of feel the same way. I'd like to review it and think about it. And we'll that's come, fine. Come ready to discuss yeah. it. That's fine. I just I, I thought because we were kind of having this discussion, these are kind of go hand in hand. We could start on it again. It's not like it's going to be. Resolve this evening, but if we want to put it off the study session. Yeah. I said we could have just reviewed it and gone over it. You I, think that, that I think that we should go over it. It was provided to us numerous yeah. times. And so we can just go. Provided to us can I finish speaking? Can I finish speaking first? Was it provided to us? For but if I could finish speaking, I would appreciate it. Thank you. As I was saying, that. Um, Though it has been provided to us numerous times that we can just go over it just to kind of like just go over it and then we can bring it up in another study session also i'm fine with that too so starting at one is that what everybody wants to go over is that what we're doing then and again we don't this is it's not anything here. Uh, this is these are resolutions, so um, these wouldn't be subject to the first and second reading. But obviously, we wouldn't put it on for adoption until everybody was comfortable with. All right, understand. Uh, what's there? Uh, and again, this is this has been in place for uh, you know, thirty-five years. So. I know, but but it hasn't been followed because a lot of things I brought up. I believe this is where the Thursday evening. Correct, which is which is why we're addressing yeah, it. Good reason to go over it now. So if there's you know there's things that are, are really irking council members that aren't being followed, this is this is the document procedurally that controls council. In addition to the standard parliamentary, but these are more specific to to Lakeland Village. Um, and 
from the board uh, although um, I would say loosely applied uh, and have been consistently. How do we how would you like so to proceed? Same we can just go the same way that we did for the ethics. Yeah. Okay, so we'll start at number one. The the regular council meetings, city council shall set a regular schedule for its meetings dates, February through January of the following year as part of the agenda and its organizational meeting, the first meeting in January. Then uh, place time the meeting shall be determined by the mayor, shall be included in the agenda, calling for the meetings. So typically we do schedule our meetings in January um, and the clerk prepares um, the tentative dates of meetings and adjusting for any holidays they, that may conflict with those uh, first and third Mondays. Issue with that or need to change this. Go ahead. Anybody? So special meeting according to section 6.2 of the charter special meeting shall be called by the clerk on written request of the mayor the city administrator or any two members of the council and at least 24 hours written notice to each member of the council served personally or left at his usual place of residence if we could add or email but a special meeting may not be held on shorter notice if all members of the council are present or that may be held on shorter notice if all uh, Members of council are present or waive notice thereof in writing, although there is still an 18 hour requirement for posting under the Open Meetings Act that would be required to be complied with. <clears throat> Anything on that one? No. Not that, I mean. Yeah. Recess meetings, any session of the city council may be continued for another day, but no such continuation shall be for longer than a period, for a longer period than until the next regular meeting thereafter. Okay. Study meetings, a study meeting may be con conveyed or convened on call by the mayor or by two or more members of the council. All members of the council must be notified of the time and place of the meeting as set forth in rule number two. Attendance at study meetings and notices calling on such meetings shall be in harmony with the provisions of the Michigan Open Meetings Act. The call for meetings may also invite such persons as may be required for consultation and advice with respect to the matters under discussion. At any study meeting, no formal vote may be taken on any matter under discussion, nor shall any council members enter into commitment with another respecting a vote to be taken subsequently at a public meeting of the council. All study meetings should be called by the mayor at a regular city council meeting. The brief confirmation of the time and date may be held at the meeting. All study meetings will be attempted to be held on the Monday nights between regular council meetings. Okay. okay. Council meeting agenda. The agenda for all council and study meetings shall be prepared by the mayor with the assistance of the city administrator. The city clerk shall furnish a copy to each member of the council, the city administrator, the city attorney, all other citizens who are involved in the meeting such as the chairperson of an advisory committee or other functions on the Thursday evening of the week preceding the meeting. All reports, communications, ordinances, resolutions, contract documents, or other materials to be submitted to the council shall be delivered to the members of council, the city administrator, the city attorney, by the city clerk as early as possible, but no later than Thursday evening. Mm -hmm. 
that seems like it could use a revision from what I'm hearing mm -hmm. about the submission because if people are submitting it at the same time as they're supposed to be providing, the administration is supposed to be providing it to council, that doesn't drive. All the information should be submitted at least a couple of days ahead. That's how most of at least my other or other um I have to submit it like that Monday or yeah, the Tuesday. You know, Tuesday, yeah. But but works. It's just we won't get stuff done quickly. It'll just be delays. But what's your some even require actually depending on I think like planning commission has different submissions than the council, but I think that some have it a week in advance. Okay. For submission. I mean, Monday or Tuesday doesn't matter. I mean, I at that point it's kind of almost splitting hairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are not going to be able to act um, as quickly as possible on some items. I'm sure that will that'll impact us, but um, you know, I mean, we have a deadline for planning commission that's, you know, between 30 and 45 days, depending on the type of application. So I don't, I don't really care that either. So, I mean, even before we had the situation here, um, with with you know three people splitting up the role of the city administrator, I mean, it was it was still a struggle to get it out. I mean, it was never out by Thursday just because of the overworked nature of the of the, the, the city administrator. Even when we only had a single city administrator, so I think a week is a, the third submissions must be made by the Thursday prior, and then that gives. The administration time to get all that information compiled how it would need to be presented in the best way for you all to review it by the next Thursday. I don't know if that doesn't work from a practical standpoint, but one week prior to the I don't think practically it necessarily works. Um I, I it's too far in advance almost. Um I mean not that we're necessarily throwing together agendas at the last minute, but um, I think a week is sometimes too far ahead. So I would say Monday or Tuesday. So unless, I mean, yeah, week. I would say if, if it's something that, you know, no, there's no additions to the agenda. So after the Tuesday prior to, you know, yeah. two days before, if, if information is to be submitted and this can be conveyed to applicants or individuals coming before council with action requests. Mm -hmm. If their documentation or information has not been submitted prior to Thursday, that item will be removed from the agenda. It yes. will appear on a subsequent agenda. That sounds reasonable, yes. Because that's really the, the situation we're trying to put together documents. I mean, um, reports and, and things of that nature, those get included in, in the packet. That, I mean, is that what council needs more? I mean, the issue is that there's not enough time to review the, the information. I've never gotten one on Thursday night. I've always had it on a, on Friday, so I haven't been able to okay, review. But I'm it, just saying, so. if there's, um, but if you've ever not had time to, is a weekend have not been enough to three days essentially not been enough to. It's been fine I mean, for me. It's been fine for me too. So I know, but there's. Wait, but it says here what the rule is supposed to be. So we follow rules or we don't follow rules. That's what That's we're talking about right now. Well, right now we're making specify this but rule. I, but. Well, Karen, I think Karen is saying that for her, everybody's different for her. Right. She would appreciate that Thursday to getting it Thursday and, and having it all day Friday or having it Friday at her Next pleasure day. would help her. 
And obviously that was a reason, there was a reason, somebody else must have felt the same for it to have been put in here however long ago. Um, I'm a real and I, just, I work on the weekends, like it's, you know, you want to be prepared. Sometimes you need additional information. Sometimes you need to go back and see what's what. So just to, you know, it's, it's not having time, not having time to read it, but being prepared. Which is the goal for to get to smooth our meeting. Yeah. So, and, and I think what Susie's saying is Tuesday. So well, Tuesday for, for yeah for submissions, and then that would help them if, if they kind of make a policy to stick with it to everybody knowing have it to Tuesday. Now, if it's something that they are getting themselves, then it's up to the administrator to you know to decide when they hopefully can have that information, or else they take it off the agenda. Okay, I have a question. Um, our next meeting is June first, which is a Wednesday. Uh, do we have to have it by Thursday night? Because the budget will not be prepared all the way by that time. I'm sorry if you're going to ask me to do it for tomorrow. No, I think. I mean, that is really. Well, this isn't going to be implemented. I'm just saying. These are it, this is a resolution. These are, these are guiding documents on procedure. It's not mm -hmm. an ordinance. So there's, again, it's, there's a little more flexibility in what it is, but I think that being a special meeting on Wednesday the 1st, I, I think there's some understanding. I mean, everybody has the budget documents, but I still have to do uh, the, the water rates. Um, narratives probably will not be done at that time, but the uh, water rates have to be put in yet. Um, there's a bunch of different things, you know, I just um, <laughs> the stock of stuff. Or, um, Great Lakes Water Authority, I got theirs, I got the Oak County stuff, all those um, big ones for the water and I still don't know about all road projects I don't know about all the you know the hydrants and how much money that's going to take so there's still a lot of you know things that I'm working on with other people but if they had to be out by this Thursday tomorrow would not work because I've got payroll to do too so well, Monday is normal meeting so you could add two more days on to Monday Monday's it's a Wednesday Monday's a holiday so I'm just saying that's my own personal. No, I, and again, I think I just I mean, I think council is understanding that on a case by case basis, certain things might come in a little bit late. But again, this is not this is not the first time that council has seen this budget this year. Right. I mean, it's been included in prior packets. Um, you know, perhaps what is already been done can be provided with you know those final numbers being implemented um you know it's whenever they're whenever okay, it's ready, no, i'm gonna done, but, do yeah. them as best as i can but i mean i plan on working on it over the weekend too so i have been working on weekends on it so any other input on number five so we are do changing these now that we were just going through it and well, I, I mean, I'm taking notes and I will provide an updated draft based on comments, which we can continue to discuss and modify as necessary. But and can I submit additional things to you? Yeah, okay. And if you have them, 
if you know what your additional thing might be, then let us know right now. What? So that, that was the point about not having this to go over and be prepared to say. Right. Oh, no, 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 I'm saying no I understand. Sorry. Yeah. I just yeah. thought if you do know something now or have something to say, okay. let us know. All right, so official reports, whenever possible, reports by the city administrator, city attorney, police department, city clerk, advisory boards and committees will be made in writing to the council, submitted prior to the meeting and listed on the agenda. Under such procedure, discussion at an open council meeting will be limited to general questions from the audience or the council on the subject matter of these reports. Concluding any concluding action will be taken at this time. Items requiring action by request of city administrator or city attorney will be listed as regular agenda items. And unless conditions make it impossible, will be submitted to members of the council with the agenda for meetings. Uh, copies of other reports will be distributed to the city council. For the if I may interject here, I think Mr. Unless conditions make it impossible, applies to the, the, the issue that we're having right now. Okay, so, covers for extraordinary exceptional circumstances. And the, and this is again, this is this is the same how we've pretty much been handling departmental reports. Uh, if there are you know questions. Um, general questions about that from either council or audience. Um, typically, whoever authored the report will address those at that, that time. If there's more detailed questions or concerns about items in there, then those are removed and added to uh, an action item at a subsequent meeting, as opposed to taking action on agenda item reports that are more complicated than just general questions. Uh, number seven, correspondence. The city administrator and mayor are delegated the, resp the responsibility of handling all correspondence. Under this system, only that correspondence which necessarily requires council decision on policy will be brought before the council meeting. Copies of other correspondence may be distributed to the council for their information. So this is consistent with the, the policy that has been applied uh, that not necessarily every public comment that is received is read into the record. Uh, relevant comments uh, are read into the record or comments that are, require decisions on policies are read into the record. Um, long as, as long as all the uh, comments that are received are provided to council um, for their information, then that is sufficient. And again, this, this is probably important because with uh, online, comments now I and mean, we get comments sometimes minutes before the meeting or even during the meeting um, that are either read or distributed to council members for their information. So related to correspondence, one one issue that and, and maybe this needs to be brought up in a separate place, but since we're talking about correspondence, one of the procedures that we, that we had for the, the 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 prior councils that I've been on is that if um, if council receives correspondence from a resident um, that only the, for consistency's sake, we've always had just the mayor respond. And if individual council members had um, comments, they would provide them to the mayor who would then bestow them and respond. So that way the 
the, the resident doesn't get five separate answers that, that may or may not conflict with one another. So is 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 that is this that's the first sentence that the city administrator and the mayor are delegated the responsibility of handling all correspondence. So if there's if there's council, if there if an individual council member gets a correspondence directed at them solely from a, a resident or an applicant or something, that they can respond to that. I would recommend that they share that with the mayor so that it can be included with not only the, the inquiry, but also the response. But if there's a count, if there's a, a correspondence that's addressed to all of council, it's important that, like you just said, that 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 individual making that inquiry not get five different responses, especially if it's an issue that has yet to be brought before the entire council or discussed at an open meeting. Um, that in, in that scenario, the response from the mayor or the administrator would be that we received your comment. It'll be included in, or include, if appropriate, it'll be included for discussion at our next council meeting. And then, you know, the mayor or the administrator can then follow up Again, consistent with how we handled the past follow up with that individual as to whatever the outcome of the arrangement was. Yeah. Can we make that well, more, more yeah. explicit in, in that in that in that section? Yeah, because yeah. while it, it makes sense, but sometimes you know, think you're doing the right thing, and then you just you know you respond and you don't tell the mayor or something like that. Is it possible to just put it in the correspondence, like a definition of how we handle email? Yeah, yeah like like a, okay. like a yeah. Like like basically, whatever, <laughs> yeah, exa exactly what you just said. Yeah. In here. These things work though when council is on the same page on things, and that hasn't been the, been the case. Well, whether council is in a, an agreement or not on an issue, mm -hmm. it's it goes back to what Liam was talking about earlier. One individual council member should not convey their personal opinion as the view of the entire council because the council acts as one body. And, and that's the, sometimes that's the challenge of the council is to come to a consensus where not everyone agrees, but ultimately you have to come to a consensus as to, as to what the action is going to be. And again, it's, it's on a policy issue. It's not, it's not an operational issue. If it's, if it's simply, Hey, there's, you know, uh, I noticed that so-and-so's house has had a trash can out there for two weeks. I mean, that's a, okay, I'll send it to the mayor. The mayor will send it to the administrator. The administrator will delegate it to whoever code enforcement, and they will then follow up on that and report back to the administrator who will then update council. I mean, that's how that should handle. It shouldn't be an individual council member says, well, you know, while we're allowing trash cans to be kept on streets on the south side of the city for three weeks and on this side, you know, whatever the, the response may be, it may not be a consistent uh, position with all of council. So that's why it's important to relate having one individual, the mayor, respond if it's if it's an issue that hasn't, if it's not something that's as simple as trash cans, if it's an issue that has to be discussed and uh, an agreed upon response, then then the correspondence is simple. It's like, thank you, I, we've received it. This will be added to the agenda and discussed amongst council. Uh, you know, if there's concerns or complaints, again, if there may, if, if an individual, because if each one of you represent the residents and, and 
have different relationships with different residents, they may feel more comfortable coming to Barb with a question than they do coming to Bruce. So Barb may get a question that Bruce doesn't get, then Barb can, can convey. And if it's something that she can answer directly, she can answer that or she can respond to that individual and say, this is an issue that um, we're gonna discuss at council. I forwarded your inquiry to the mayor. The mayor is forwarded to the administrator for inclusion in an agenda discussion or a study session or whatever it may be. But um, there's, there's nothing that prevents you from responding to a resident, but when it comes to interpreting or making a decision based on an inquiry, I think that should come from the council as a whole and not from an individual council person. Nor should it, I mean, nor should the mayor make the decision and then yes. you know, send it out and that be final. So yes. I think if there's anything that there's a question that needs to be talked about or discussed, then that, that's the way it's handled. And, and again, that's the reason, the rationale behind it. that is that, so that resident is not, you know, they send a, an email to every council person and they might get five different takes on the same issue. And now they're saying, they're saying, well, I don't know. I mean, half the council says I can do it. The other half says I can't. And I never heard from one of them. So I don't know what, what's going on. So that's why funneling all those correspondence and communications through one individual, one, it makes sure that uh, nothing gets lost. And then two, there's consistency from, from the perspective of council. It, it helps the council look very organized, put together, um, that council members are on the same page and that they're not answering the same issue in a different in a different fashion. And do you see any issue? I mean, because I know I've done this in the past where I've responded to the, the, the you know messages come to all council members and I just respond and say thank you for your message. The mayor will respond shortly. I think that's fine. I just an acknowledgement of yeah. it, but I mean when it goes beyond that, and you know, uh, if you receive you know something is sent to all council members and you receive it and take it upon yourself to investigate it, resolve the issue and then respond back without right. ever coming before council. That, you know, and, and not saying that you do that, but I mean, generally you will bring it to council like with the snow, uh, the walkways with the right. snow with the school. So, but those, that stuff, uh, again, should the response to those issues that haven't, you know, if it's facts and you're just relaying something that, you know, oh, the meeting is on, it's the special meeting is next Wednesday the first. Okay, but if it's something that hasn't been determined or you know as a, as a course of action, then that needs to come from from the council. And, and I think residents like to see that their concerns are discussed amongst council. That it provides them with validation that my voice is being heard and it is being addressed by everyone and not just one person and or you know one staff member. So I, I just think that 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 flow that mechanism provides for that and it, it provides consistency and you know initially it you know after some time there will be an understanding of what what the expectation is from residents and okay some people will submit a question and talked about earlier this desire to have an immediate response and instantaneous results um, sometimes that's not always possible especially uh, when it requires implementing a, a policy or or involving a, you know maybe another department or an entity that is going to have to act so i think just by acknowledging it to the resident that it is received it'll be discussed at a future date gives them some framework as to you know okay i've submitted my complaint it's it's been received and it will be addressed now 
if it goes, you know, meeting or two and it doesn't get addressed, then I think that's where, you know, residents start to get frustrated and feel like their concerns are being ignored. But at least the acknowledgement and then the placement of it on, on an agenda, I think is an appropriate um, for, for major things. I mean, again, little things, I don't believe it's necessary. And I don't know that that's been the practice that it's been placed on the agenda, not a long time. I think it depends on the, on the on the issue, and you know, again, I'll use the example with the sidewalks that was brought up at a council meeting. It was a correspondence that was received, and then it was brought up and discussed. And the action plan was to you know, for the administrator to reach out to Southfield Public Schools and um, you know, advise them of their obligation, or you know, just remind them of their obligation to, to plow up that sidewalk. So. If there's other examples, I, I, I'm trying to think of something, but I'm not sure what would have been not handled or not addressed by council. Anything else on correspondence? No. no. Attendance at conferences, the selection of the city's representative at conferences and meetings with outside organizations and officials where officials designation or an official designation is required it's delegated to the mayor with the concurrence of council with uh, substantial expenses involved. So that's probably, I would again encourage conferences to be attended by more than just the mayor. That's one that may, may want to consider um, revision that uh, attendance at, con at conferences or maybe. Uh, make it compulsory that council members attend at least a certain number of conferences a year. There are a number that are offered and provided. Uh, that's something good for consideration. Is, it, is there a budget for that? That's something you have to talk about at the budget meetings. I know, but is there currently a budget for that? Um, last year, I don't think, well, we might have budgeted, but we have it because of the COVID. We haven't been going to our conferences because of COVID. But previously there has been. Because yes, we've been attending Capcom twice a year. Yep. Number nine, presiding officer. The mayor shall take the chair at the time appointed for council to meet and call the members to order. The role will be noted by the mayor and recorded by the clerk for the minutes. The mayor pro tem shall take the chair as presiding officer in the absence of the mayor. And that provision, I feels pretty self-explanatory, a little redundant. I don't know if it necessarily needs to be in there, but in the absence of uh, temporary chairperson, in the absence of the mayor and the mayor pro tem, the clerk shall call the council to order and call the roll. The quorum is found to be present. The clerk shall appoint a chairperson to act until the mayor or may pro tem appears. Council privileges, the presiding officer may move, second, and debate from chair, subject only to limitations on debate are those by rules imposed on all members and shall not be deprived of any of the rights and privileges of a council member by reason of his or her acting as a presiding officer. So that doesn't happen, right? That's it, the best. It, well, generally the mayor or the presiding officer will not move or second right. uh, unless there's sometimes there's nobody else to move or second. Uh, this is just simply saying that they have that ability and simply because there's a presiding officer, 
doesn't strip them of the right to make a motion or second a motion. The quorum and order, number 12, meetings are to be formal with the enforcement of stringent rules for debate, which will be controlled, which will control the expenditure of valuable time. The presiding officer shall preserve decorum and decide all questions of order, subject to formal appeal to the council as a whole. Every person desiring to speak shall address the chair and shall wait to be recognized by the chair. He or she shall, shall then confine himself or herself to the question under debate. Every council member desiring to question the administrative staff shall address his questions to the city administrator, who may either answer the inquiries or designate some member of staff for that purpose. Council member once recognized shall not be interrupted while speaking unless a point of order is raised. No questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. Number three. That was a big one. Maybe we want to talk about that. But what the decorum and order? The majority of council members. Is that what you? I'm sorry. What did you say? You thought this was a big one. I thought that was a big one. We might want to talk about it, but that's fine. We'll move on. Nope. Uh, quorum. The majority of council members elected shall constitute a quorum. In case that a lesser number of them quorum shall convene at a regular or special meeting, the majority of the members present may send for any or all absent members by agreement. In the event a quorum cannot be obtained, the meeting must be adjourned. It's the duty of each council member to notify the mayor or administrator if he or she cannot attend the city council meeting. So I've got some questions on that in that last sentence. So, so our charter talks, and this, this has been an issue in prior councils. Um, our, our charter talks about, uh, I mean, like the removal, it talks about a felony and it talks about, you know, I think it's four straight absences, unexcused absences, but yet there's no definition of, of what's an excused and unexcused absence. So it, it had been the practice up until I think a year ago that it was just blindly, if somebody was was gone, somebody made a motion and uh, approved it as an, unex, as, a, as an unexcused absence. But um, I know lately, at least in the last, the last year of the last council, they had to give notification Ask for give notification at least a few hours in advance is what we had been talking about. But so, so I think we need to have some type of definition of, of what's an excused and unexcused absence. We, I can address that as um, in another one of our communities, there was a an issue with that, and so um, we did draft and they adopted an ordinance to um, address that, and basically. Well, with them, they there it was three consecutive meetings without excuse as described below. Um, it would be a, a reprimand um, and informing them that they're in danger of vacating their office pursuant to the charter. Um, and then after the, the um, reprimand or not the reprimand, the, the warning notice, and if they fail to do four more, they there would be a vacancy. And so the procedure for it was um, if a member, just what they did, if a member of council is unable to attend a meeting, he or she or their representative shall contact the village clerk and, uh, and or the administrator prior to the meeting, um, whereby the absence will occur to advise them of the absence and the reasons for that. Um, general references to other village obligations Obligations, work unrelated to village business, health, or personal reasons could be provided um, upon notification of the inability to attend the scheduled meeting. 
the village clerk shall verify that the quorum will be present. Um, then the absence of a member and the general reason therefore shall cause a motion to excuse the absence of the member to be put before the council at either the missed meeting or at its next regularly scheduled meeting following the absence. Um, and then failure of the council to adopt a motion to excuse the absence shall result in the absence being unexcused. And a determination of whether an absence is excused or unexcused by the council shall be reflected in the minutes, um, noting the reason. Uh, and so they basically left it up to the council because everyone had different opinions of what should be excused or not. So for instance, um, a council member may vote that no, on their, their absence should not be excused for themselves. And one council member felt very strong that his work, even if it was work related outside of that, he sh that should not be excused. So that was his opinion, um, whereas other people then would vote to excuse his absence. So it kind of addresses the everyone's own personal opinion of what should be excused and what shouldn't count. You know, is a health reason, is a vacation, family vacation, you know, some people think, yeah, vacation, that's fine. Other people don't. And like I said, the work thing. So that's how they handled it, because they did do it, an ordinance for that. And then at each, each time they're supposed to notify, I'm not going to be here, then they know that a motion is made. And it's just right at the beginning of the meeting, just a standard thing, motion to excuse absence. What's the reason for your absence? They say the reason, and then the council votes on whether it should be excused or unexcused. And it on works, their it works pretty well to tell you. It sounds kind of weird or complicated, but it's actually worked fairly well. You know, and then everyone's satisfied because they, their own personal view of what should be excused and what should not is counted towards that. I don't, and I would just to add to that, I don't know that it would necessarily need to, we would to create a separate ordinance right, for that. But I think putting that in here um, and identifying that at a very minimum, if, if no call, no show, not excused. Right. Um, if it's called, and like Leanne's saying, uh, if notice is provided that they're not going to be there, with the reason if council feels that that reason is justified and excused, then I. What's the notice? Um, what do you think about the um, the notice? How much notice? The timing. I mean, again, it, I'll leave that up to the to the preference of council. But I mean, you things happen, and right. you know, traffic. Uh, accidents, whatever. I mean, it may not be possible to always provide a day or two's notice. I mean, certainly if, if you know ahead of time you're not going to be there, um, you can do that. But I think, I mean, if it was me, again, if it was me sitting in there, I would probably be a little more lenient. And if as long as someone called or texted, hey, I'm caught up at work or I'm stuck in traffic, I'm going to either be late or it doesn't look like, you know, I'm going to be there at all, you know, leave it leave that to the, the decision of your fellow council members. But I think uh, any notice provided, in my opinion, uh, would at least get you on the table for a motion for consideration to be excused. So, so it sounds like in their ordinance, they said prior to the meeting. Yeah. Yes, if possible. So, but I yeah. think that's why they did the the motion might be at that meeting or the next or the, or next, the next if it's kind of a last minute accident you know who knows right so happen. so could, could we say like 
an hour or two prior to the meeting to get, and still put that stipulation in. So then it could be, I mean, that, I mean, because, because the situation that we ran into uh, one of the prior councils was, you know, we had some people who didn't, just didn't show up and then we couldn't have a meeting. We didn't have a quorum. Um, and there was no notice whatsoever. So, I mean, if we say a couple hours before the meeting, but then we leave that stipulation in so that if we find out that somebody got in a tra traffic accident and they had to go to the hospital, we can then rectify that at the at a subsequent meeting. Bruce's vote no, because OnStar didn't contact. I think that it should be at least an hour before, only because if everyone else is trying to get there on time, and then you have a couple of people like what the situation was before, and that then you, you get there to find out you don't have a meeting. Oh, you're gonna say, Pam? I was gonna say you'd want to give the other council members if right. you don't have a quorum, right. you would want to give the other council members right. a chance to notify them to tell them there would not be a meeting them, and then to post it too. So, so I would think two hours two at hours. least. Yeah. And that that goes to the city clerk or the administrator. Um, phone call, text message, email, some type of document. Some sort of know. correspondence, yes. yes. Hour to two in advance. Or, and again, I think leaving that option of having, uh, you know, at the subsequent meeting, if the explanation is justified or warranted, that that excuse could be excused. Anything else on this one? And 14, city administrator, city administrator shall attend all meetings of the council unless excused by the mayor. He shall keep the council fully advised as to the needs of the city to make recommendations to the council. He she may take part in the discussions on all matters concerning the welfare of the city and shall have a seat but no vote in the council meetings. Now this might be um, nitpicky, but one thing that I'm, um, never mind, never mind. Anyone else on that one? The clerk, city clerk shall be the clerk for the city council and shall attend all regular and special council meetings unless excused by the administrator, wherein the administrator shall provide for the reporting of the minutes. Clerk shall be responsible for keeping minutes of the meeting and shall perform such other duties in the meeting as may be in order. Within one week after meetings, the clerk shall furnish each council member with a copy of the minutes of the preceding meeting. We don't really do that now, though. It's usually at the, even at the next the next meeting, we get the minutes from the previous meeting. Mm -hmm. Correct. Or do we need to keep that in there? I mean, I think that's personally, I think that's enough time to correct the minutes. We get it in the packet. I think that that's um yeah, change that. To change it to the um by the next um pack well, the next, next meeting council meeting or next. The clerk's required under OMA to have a draft within seven days. So if they have, are required to meet that, then I think uh, it shouldn't necessarily have to be provided, but it should available. be available if yeah. requested. I believe that is available, isn't it? It's just not in our packet until. Yeah, so can we say just the draft just needs to be within seven days and furnished to council by the next council meeting? I guess technically, if we're making Thursday the day by Thursday prior to the next council meeting. 
Yeah. City attorney will skip right into that one. <laughs> city attorney shall attend all regular meetings and special meetings of the city council unless excused by the mayor. Any members of the council may at any time call upon the city attorney for an oral or written opinion concerning routine questions of law with respect to the city, which do not require extensive research. Okay. Right of appeal. Any council member may appeal to the full council from a ruling of the presiding officer. If the appeal is seconded, the presiding officer shall immediately put the question of sustaining the decision of the chair to a vote. These well, are Robert's rules. Yeah, okay, that makes sense then. Voting every council member present with an, uh, when an ordinance or resolution is put to vote shall vote either yes or no on a question during roll call. The only exception to this requirement for voting shall be in the case of conflict of interest, which shall preclude a council member from voting. So everyone has that one. I don't think it's ever come up, but either. it came up once. <laughs> but you have to vote. Right. Either yes or no, you have to cast a vote unless it is a conflict of interest. So, uh, number 19, personal privilege. The right of a council member to address the council on a question of personal privilege in cases where his or her integrity or motives are questioned are questions shall be given preference over other discussion. Any member shall have the right to express dissent against any ordinance or resolution of the council and have the reason thereof entered upon the official minutes and whenever possible shall present to the city clerk his or her expressions in, in written form the official records. So this would be, um, and again, if there's um, a no vote, I always encourage this to put your, put your rationale at least orally place it on the record while you're voting no for something it's uh it just provides more information should there ever be a question to whether that decision was arbitrary or capricious number 20 code of ethics city council members occupy positions of public trust all business transactions of such officials dealing in any manner with public funds either directly or indirectly must be subject to the scrutiny of public opinion both as to the legality and the propriety of such transactions. Council members shall not have a pecuniary, pecuniary interest either directly or indirectly in contracts of any uh, character with the city unless fully or publicly disclosed to the full council and handled in accordance with the proper legal procedures. Council members shall conduct themselves so as to bring credit upon the city as a whole and so as to set an example of good ethical conduct for all citizens of the community. Council members shall bear in mind at all times their responsibilities to the entire electorate, shall refrain from actions benefiting special interest groups at the expense of the city as a whole, and shall do everything in their power to ensure equal and impartial law enforcement throughout the city at large. Wouldn't this whole section be redundant? Yeah, I think we could, yes and no, I think we could reference the ethics ordinance, mm -hmm. but. Just add, I, I would say keep it and then just add and council shall abide by any ethics, ordinance, ordinance. any ethics ordinance adopted. Yeah, that's fine. We're referencing this in our ethics. Right, it's, it's, it's kind of a circular reference, so that, that, that's why that's why I asked the question. Just think So order of business, this one has been, I know this has been changed over the time, but um, mm -hmm. the business of all regular meetings of council shall be generally transacted in the following order at the discretion of the mayor. Call to order, indication, roll call of council, discussion and approval of minutes, disbursement reports, petitions, public hearings, passages of ordinances, introduction of ordinances, passage of resolutions, 
city administrator report, city attorney's report, reports of boards, commissions, and committees, new business, old business, correspondence, legislative review, and adjournment. Notice there's no public comment. Yeah, public comment. Mm -hmm. Bless you. Should probably yeah, put the public comment on there somewhere, even though it does say the mayor's discretion, but. I mean, I think the, the current format with the utilization of the consent agenda is beneficial, especially for things that are um, pretty routine, routine that can, that that can be addressed in one motion without deliberation. So unless there's any objection, I could, I would re, you know, revise this to reflect our current with allowing for two opportunities for the public to comment. <clears throat> Parliamentary procedure, the conduct of council members shall be in accordance with the manual on parliamentary procedures entitled Robert's Rules of Order. Uh, come up with a couple of revisions since this. So we're up to the third edition now. Ordinance introduction, except when public interest requires otherwise, the normal date for introduction of ordinance will be set at the council meetings following the regular Thursday receipt of agenda at which the proposed ordinance is supplied to the council members in writing. Introduction of all ordinances shall follow charter provisions, a summary of which has been prepared by the city administrator. Okay. This, I mean, again, these ones typically the, the information, for example, like with the ethics ordinance, that would be set well in advance the first reading of that. Permission to address council. Persons other than members of the council and city officials shall be shall be permitted to address the council upon recognition by the presiding officer by introducing the subject upon which they desire to speak, seeing their name and address. Presiding officer may limit participation by the general public to designated times during the meeting. We took out the address part. Yeah, I mean you can request you could request that they identify themselves, but they're not required to uh, provide their address. Do we want to put something in here that council should refrain from discussion with public comment? Unless there's clarifying questions, in other words, give them their full three minutes. Um, yeah, we can put that in here. Permission to address council and maybe call it council procedure during public comments. Happens a lot in the planning commission where one council or commissioner may continue to answer questions. <laughs> and then the, then the public person's like, wait a minute, where's all my time? Right. Uh, state or federal cooperation procedure, all proposals for projects which contemplate cooperation with or financial participation by the state or federal government shall be transmitted to council by the city administrator. If the city board or commission desires to propose such a project, Proposal shall first be filed with the city administrator. All proposals shall be in an approved form and accompanied by proper plans, specifications, conforming to the requirements of respective state or federal governments. Council approves the proposal, it shall be by resolution, authorize the city administrator to make application to the proper authority. The time we've ever cooperated with the state or federal government on a project. <laughs> local, uh, local 
local, yeah, like other I mean, it... local intergovernmental agreements, mm -hmm. South City of Southfield, but MDOT stuff is not. I was going to say that's the only thing that I can think of be in that projects, but. Number 26, suspension of rules. Any provision of these rules not governed by the charter or code may be temporarily suspended at any meeting of council by the presiding officer unless objected to by any council member. Such objection must be sustained by a majority of all council, majority vote of the council. The vote on any such suspension shall be taken by yes and nays and entered upon the records. There you go, Pam. <laughs> to amend rules, these rules may be amended or new rules adopted by a majority vote of all members of council. Any such alterations or amendments to shall be submitted in writing to the, at the preceding regular meeting and shall be placed on the calendar under order of new business. This requirement shall be waived only by unanimous consent with the record vote, recorded vote of all members. Administrative tribunal hearings where the city council sits as an administrative tribunal to review the actions of an administrative official on appeal to grant special use approvals under Articles 10 and 16 of the revised zoning ordinance. And like instances under statute, uh, and like instances under statutes and ordinances, the hearing shall be governed by rules 31-40 as attached. Rules 1-27 are intended, 1 through 27 are intended to apply only to those council members where the council is acting in its other capacities. That whole section is going to take some work because yeah. you know, <laughs> Articles 10 and 16 don't exist anymore. Uh, special use approvals are rather 6.2. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. We look forward to seeing that. Uh, I'm not sure what rules 31 through 40. They <laughs> were not attached. Just saying. I have a book with all these resolutions. So, a few things that so one one thing I think we should talk about on is the ethics or on the on the, on the, the, the procedures. procedures. Um, I think that the um, MML's newly elected official training or equivalent should be a requirement for all new council members. Maybe, like you said uh, earlier, you know, maybe including the. Uh, you know, some type of continuing education, you know, like at least one I mean, course. I think something like that um, could be included uh, under number eight attendance at conferences, that there would be um, either a continuing education requirement, a minimum number attended or hours or hours spent attaining, whether it be at a conference or online trainings or, or whatnot. Well, I think I think the, the I, MML one is that at no cost, correct? I mean, I, I think I, I agree. I think we should put something like number of hours, you know, annually for for council people. But I, I think the the MML training equivalent, the newly elected, elected official training, I think that should be spelled out separately. Make sure adequate notice is given, though, because I didn't get a, a welcome from them until after the. It was too late. To, the the um, training had already taken place, and it was too late to even do anything. So, to put the requirement in there, make sure that there's something in place. Do they? How many times a year is it offered? Just once? Or? No, it's throughout the year. Yeah, it's throughout the year. One time for the new members. Yes. 
Well, yeah, obviously, um, if you're not notified of a training opportunity, you can't be required to attend it. But I, I do think, yeah, but you could pick it up next year. It's like you judge for, for two years and then they finally get trained. Yeah. <laughs> You, see, you said you had other one. Yeah, so I think we should have some type of uh, uh, social media policy included in this. We do have a social media policy for yeah. um, personnel policy. Personnel. I think it's a little bit different for for council. I mean, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, is you know, individual comments can be perceived as as you know the the viewpoint of the of the council as opposed to an individual. I, yeah, I know it's generally been the recommendation that, that council members, you know, your, your legal uh, advice is, advisement is that you know, we stay off of it. But I think we need something in writing. I think in the, in the application of the current policy to council members, if it's not already applicable, would be appropriate. I, I don't know that we necessarily need to create something specific and unique to council members, but just um, you actually correct. I did one. <clears throat> we'll we'll we can correct. Because we get to sign off on it. Again, the big the big concern I have with social media is when council members inevitably get some discussion online, and then now we're you know one the issue that it, it potentially becomes an issue that or a forum that needs to be subject to FOIA and then archived and backed up and the logistics of that. Are, next to impossible uh, with just with the volume of posts but then you start in, into a discussion and that's potential OMA violations those those are my biggest concerns with social media um, commenting on on things of city business or city related business but yeah, we can we can put together something like that okay and so does does the ethics I'm just trying to think back to what we just talked about, but in terms of the ethics ordinance, I mean, there are things in, in the charter that are not necessarily ethical. So, for example, you know, we as council aren't allowed to direct staff, but if those kinds of stipulations are, are if a council member tries to, to direct staff, I mean, that's a violation of, of what we're saying in the charter, but does the ethics ordinance allow us to, as, as we've drafted it, allow us to address those kinds of situations? Because um, I don't know that that's, those kinds of things are specifically mentioned in the ethics ordinance. I think you, we could include any sort of charter or ordinance violation. Um, I mean, it kind of goes without saying if a council person violates them, but I think, yeah, spelling it out in the ethics ordinance that, they would uh, that type of conduct would constitute a violation of that ordinance that um, any sort of violation of any sort of city ordinance or charter uh, could be potentially subject to that that discipline escalation or escalating discipline that would be outlined in there. I think that that makes sense. That's logical. Because right now, 
Um, there really aren't any specified penalties for violating that unless uh, it rises to the level of misconduct in office. So you go from zero to 100 really fast. And I think there needs to be uh, steps in that. But the charter does stipulate something about if, except for informational purposes, you could get questions answered and that kind of thing, not directing staff, but you can have questions answered if you're trying to get information. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I think what, what Bruce is not referencing is about inquiring things about council day-to-day operation type functions or roles. And I was just using that as one example of, of things that are in the charter that could be violated by, by council members that are not specifically addressed in the ordinance. That was, that was kind of my point. That was just kind of an example. Yeah, that would be covered. Yeah. yeah, I think we just referenced it. And then under the training, just going back, there is, it's 24-7 uh, for the local government 101. They have an on-demand webinar that you can look at. Okay. That's why I said some of them are not necessarily actual, like sit down, yeah. spend a day or a weekend training. You can do online. Um, well, the last time I looked, there wasn't anything else available. It was just the training session. And it was online. It wasn't, it wasn't in person. Yeah, typically, I mean, we would, when training opportunities come up, I know Jill's pretty good about if there's stuff on the uh, zoning aspect. Of, and that's probably the one area that um, changes the most is the zoning laws. And so that type of training, it's good. It's probably good to do annually anyways, because one court decision can, can unravel your ordinance pretty quickly. So uh, staying on top of that, I think is, is a wise if you're gonna pick one area to go to, go to some zoning training. Right. I have a bunch of them. And did we say at the beginning that we were gonna reference this this document from the manual and our and our ethics ordinance? Oh, that yeah, that was Barb's question during the break. Yeah, uh, what becomes been. of this? I, and again, I think this is probably uh, and what this what Bruce was holding up and what Barb asked about was the uh, excerpt from the personnel manual. Mm -hmm. I think we can make it some of there's some crossover of that into the ethics ordinance, but that is probably more specifically geared towards employees. And I think keeping that in its entirety in the personnel manual is appropriate is an appropriate place for that. Um, some of that information, like I said, some of those things we can incorporate. Some of them are already incorporated, in, right? But yeah. if you could review them and figure out which ones you need to pull, because I think those address a lot of the things that residents brought up to me. Back on the social media policy, I'm just looking at what what they what is in there as far as employees go, and that's more directed towards employees. I would definitely say. So, if there's some specific things that you want to, you know, that as far as like discourse back and forth, back and forth, and again, I think that goes back to the correspondence that Scott explained as to the procedure that would be taken. The social media would include with council members include that procedure where anything on there that's like a question or directed to a specific council members should go to the mayor and to the administrator right so that would apply there so i guess there could be a separate <coughs> section added to this to address council specifically yeah personally i like to see that as guidance so yeah I wish you that. 
covers it. Anyone else have any comments or questions? If none, then um, we'll open up to public comment and speakers are limited to three minutes. Anyone that's online or in the audience that would like to speak. I just have a question for the city attorney and also a statement. Um, who is the outside agency I would contact if there was illegal behavior of a council member and we don't have a city administrator? I heard you kind of speaking that in about in the ethics talk. I mean, if you, if, if you believe that an individual has uh, broken some law, then I would, I would direct your inquiries to the police department or to the Oakland County Sheriff Department. Oakland County Sheriff. Okay. I mean, unless you have more specifics, you could provide me. Give you a better. Directive. Well, I I would need an unbiased um, opinion. Okay. So I was just wondering what you're referring to when you said outside organization. Yeah, if it, if it, what I was referring to that is if you know if um, if the the citizen had a concern that um, you know something that the council had done as a whole or the administration had done as a whole was illegal then they probably won't bring that concern to the council or the administration they they would either take it to the police department who would uh, you know our, our police department is pretty unbiased <laughs> they would either investigate or if they felt that it was something that was too close to home they would refer it to an outside agency Okay. But they do internal investigations a lot, so it's not <laughs> it's not an uncommon ask. But for isn't the police chief the um, temporary interim um, administrator? He is. Okay. But he's still fully capable of doing his job as the chief of police, and he has he does have other officers, other um, staff and command officers that are capable of conducting those investigations. So. But if again, if if it's something you feel would be best outside the city. I'd start with Oakland County and they can direct you from there. Okay. And then just a generalized statement to the council. Um, you know, we elected all of you to represent us. And um, I, we expect you to work together as best you can. And the reading of statements attacking one council member is quite unethical and when we're talking about ethics, we just want you to all get along and do what the residents would like. So thank you for allowing me to speak. I don't see any hands raised online and there is no one in the other room. Okay. Council and Mayor comments. I uh, just wanted to say that the Southfield Public Schools open house is being held Wednesday, this Wednesday from four to seven at Southfield uh, House High School A&T. 
Um, it's the open houses for Southfield students in grades K through 12, Oakland County students grades K through nine, and Wayne County students grades K through three. Um, also, I had a couple of questions that um, I wanted to ask at the last meeting, but it was not here. So um, we have a mental health awareness program sponsored by the LVDDA Boys to Men and In the Know coming up this week. Just wanted to know who is the target audience, um, a list of mental health professionals involved in the programs. I didn't see anything about that. Um, and I have a couple other questions. Uh, the, the event is predominantly run by the Boys to Men Foundation, uh, LVDDA and In the Know are tertiary um, sponsors, if you will. Um, this is, uh, Boys to Men is, uh, their focus is on providing youth mentoring specifically to um, young men. And um, I, I don't know who their mental health professionals are that may be um, attending with them, but um, this is part of their network of services that they are offering. It's, but, but we're sponsoring it as LVDDA. So we're a partner with them, yes. Okay, but you don't know who the mental health professionals are involved no, in the I program. Is there any kind of liability for us, Scott, as a city? Um, well, I don't know, really know what the, I'd have to look at it and see if they're, I don't anticipate any being, or just being a uh, recognition sponsor, but if, I mean, I'd be happy to take a look at whatever agreement that there is any with the, there's with no the organization. There's no agreement. There's no agreement. Like I said, we're just a, we're, a tertiary sort of partner with them um, helping to do this. They, um, this is something that they put on uh, last year and they helped up, they asked us to help promote again. So we are happy to do it. Um, their target is, um, you know, the youth and families that are within their network um, as well as their, their broader network. I don't think they're gonna be offering any sort of counseling on site. I mean, it's more of a, um, let's bring awareness to mental health and, and know that there are resources available um, should you need it and encouraging people to seek help when they do. So there were vendors and stuff like that. So then who determines what programs the LBDDA supports? The, We've seen that. We've seen the um, Corvette car show, meet their meet and greet, those kinds of things. The DDA board of directors and their and their uh, committees. Okay, so one of the DDA board members is in this yes the person, the boys to men person. Yes. So, okay, uh, and is this is this option open to other? Uh, residents in the community who would like to have the Relief Village DDA sponsor programs? I mean, if it's something that is going to happen in the DDA district and it is um, helping to, to further the mission, then sure. Further the mission? Or... Further the mission of the DDA to support a 
thriving business community and a thriving business community also needs to have a thriving residential community. So we're, I mean, we're, we are happy and willing to promote different events, but the key is that they have to take place within the Lather Village DDA districts. So district so boundaries. A resident wanted to do something and wanted to come here to City Hall and do it, which is where this group is coming, then that wouldn't be a problem. Right. I mean, it would also, I mean, we, I mean, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to tell you, yes, blanket statement, yes, I, it would certainly depend on something that we are, uh, it would depend on what it is. So if you have a specific example, I, it'd be easier for me to answer that kind of question. Um, your question as stated is, so you no, I would need more information before I say that. So you don't really have a policy on what programs you support? These are, what? I, these are programs and events that are that the DDA board and the DDA committees choose to engage in. Okay. And then um, also I noticed that our, our new employee is the director, whatever, in the know, who is also one of these sponsors. Mm -hmm. how, how does that, who also is connected to the DDA member who is putting on the program, how does all of that, um, you know, we're, we're talking about ethics and rules and all those kinds of things. As a, a city employee, she's a DDA promoting employee. their own organization. Like, what what does that look like? I, we've had this conversation. She and I have had this conversation. I am aware of her um, in the no nonprofit. Um, it was something that we just that we discussed even before. I offered her a position. Um, she knows that any event that is uh, that is involves the LVDDA is first and foremost. Um, LVDDA is her is is where her commitment lies. Um, she's not getting anything financially out of out of this event. Um, she's you know, she's, she is just another partner to help spread the word and, and engage um, across the community to bring attendees. To talk about mental health. And, and to talk about mental health. Oh, okay, but uh, again, I'm you know, wondering what the, what the qualifications are of people that are doing things. And, and the poster for the program Everyone's in, in the no t-shirts, so she's getting, you know, promotion of her organization. Again, I don't, I don't know her. I don't know anything about her organization. I'm just asking this: What are our processes, procedures, rules? Are these things open to other, uh, you know, other groups? This, this seems like a, a conflict, but um, yeah, that's why that's why I'm asking: What things are in place to? Um, Can you um? Um, tell me, how does the conflict go? I'm just curious. She's an employee of the city. Okay. And her organization is being promoted by the Lakewood Village DDA. She's an employee of the DDA. I think we need yes. to yes. clarify that the DDA and the city employees are two separate. The DDA has its own funding source. Okay, and while so they do cost share and they do uh, contribute a lot to the city's budget, mm -hmm. they are their own separate organization. Okay, so at one point, wasn't that position uh, Parks and Rec and 
that no, was temporary. No. That Do was, we used to there there was a to that position. There was a point in time where the DDA does provide um, cost sharing with the city. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point in time where the DDA uh, contributed a portion of the Parks and Rec coordinator's salary. That is no longer the case. Um, the city uh, and the city contributes 10% to my salary and her salary. And we contribute 10% of the city administrator and the treasurer's salary, um, as well as uh, the DDA. Let's see, we contribute 40% for code, 45 for code enforcement. Um, and as well as a variety of other um, specific expenditures um, that helps that helps the city function. Quite frankly, um, we are responsible for the land. We we're responsible for the maintenance <coughs> of six ninety six service drive, for example. So let me ask a question. So yes. basically, we had a Herbs and Rec coordinator, and then we had the DDA uh, the mm -hmm. special projects. But when we lost the Parks and Recs um, coordinator, that's when the DDA special project person took that's, over. Yes, that's when the special projects right. became part of it. And um, that that person, that role is responsible for uh, primarily the special projects are um, events that take place in the DDA district that had previously been delegated to the Parks and Rec coordinator. So technically city is paying 10% of the they salary. Are, there, but there's, I think it's important to note that there is no obligation that the DDA share employees or any component of their budget with the city. Um, I know it's, the city is asked uh, oftentimes for a lot more and the, and the DDA has been generous with the cost sharing. They're under no obligation to do that. Um, obviously if they, without the DDA's help, it would, would severely hamper, I think a lot of the other cities programming, um, not having that additional funding source because the way the TIF district works, the, the capture from everything in that, all the business corridor taxes, uh, any residents within that district, that. But that tax revenue goes to the DDA. It doesn't go to the city's general fund. Now, was Michigan First recently added to that group? Is that no, the that DDA. Uh, no, that so, was they were in the DDA. Initially, they oh, were, initially it was it was amended because or was added because um, the new that area was added. It has to be a contiguous district, so that's why those all those homes on Eleven Mile were added in '99. Yeah, the yeah. original so, the TIF was originally formed in 1998. Michigan first was added in 99. And all the apartments are, were all those condos, all of the condos, all of the apartments on 11 mile. Yeah, they're all assessed that extra no, two mil tax. Oh, no, I'm the sorry. Not the apartments on, not, not, not these not, here. The no, condos sorry. on 11 mile yes. um, between condos. here and uh, Michigan first. Yes. And the other important thing since we're talking about EDs, EDAs and that district is that uh, the DDA also captures the county por uh, county portion of that tax revenue. Mm -hmm. And if there is a change in the district boundaries, the county has the opportunity to opt out the entire DDA district. 
that's why the DDA district has not been changed since 99. That is correct. Uh, for obviously the county had any opportunity to opt out has opted out and that's a um, well not only is it a significant loss of revenue for the DDA but that is revenue that uh, the city also loses the opportunity to potentially take advantage of. It's, it's further beyond that too though isn't it like the, the Karen Clinton it's, it's not just the county isn't there there's a few other there might be a few yeah, so the open county is the significant right. portion yeah, of that yeah. so we've got parks Oakland County Parks Park, and Rec as yeah. well as the HCMA a little bit of refuse yeah. and OCC well there's just an appearance of special treatment for people so I just want to make sure that Things that are being done are open to residents are always residents. more than welcome to contact me. I had a resident contact me today about wanting to do some food trucks, and that's uh, would be lovely. So okay. I, well, I mean, I, offer. I'm happy to. I talk to everybody, and if it's a project or a program that I think the DDA is going to get behind, then get behind it. Okay, and then last, uh, I put a FOIA in May 2nd at $824.04, and it is May 23rd, and I don't have anything, and I've received no communication, so just wondering what's happening with that. I mean, that, that's not an appropriate question for, for council. Right. I mean, that's as an individual making a FOIA request that would be directed directly to the, to the FOIA coordinator. Okay. Anything else? Yes. Our businesses. We don't have the microphone on. Oh. Our businesses cooperating in No Mo May. Are they participating in it? There's a that old business looks terrible. The guy moved down to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I, as far as I know, you. So are we not? Didn't... Are we not ticketing them? It really looks bad. Okay. And I it's in the business district, and I didn't know if we, we voted for it. But are they participating in it too? Well, I don't think you technically could give them a ticket when there's other people that aren't doing it also. That would be kind of, it does look bad. I mean, oh, it, it looks like no, it doesn't, agree, but we'll, we'll you know, agree on that one. But it was stated uh, for businesses and residents. And are we not doing our parks either? Those are getting kind of long too. They should be addressing the parks as we. Yes, they need them. Didn't know if they were participating, if that's mm -hmm. why they were getting long. No, they've been mowing City Hall. So they should be mowing the parks. I'll check into that tomorrow. Do they do vacant properties? Which like vacant properties? Like between houses and like I, I don't know what city, if it's city owned. Well, that's what I don't know. But if it's not a city owned property, those would be nuisance Like I could see nuisance one, somebody did their whole their whole lot, but the quarter's not done. And I didn't know if that's it. The city owns it. Where is it? Red River and what's the cir the circle around the house in the woods? 
rainbow or is that rainbow? morning sign? Oh yeah, I the can look at it rainbow? here. Yeah. Yeah, Red River and whatever that is, Rainbow Circle. Yeah, it's all done except for the corner. And I don't know if the city usually mows that or if the resident just didn't mow it. You'd have to be more specific because about looking from here, it looks like there's four different corners. So here. I'll get a picture. Okay. I'll send it. It's just looking bad. Check with the person that most belongs for the city. Check on the parks tomorrow too. Else? Are you done? Oh, okay. Well, if there's no other um, discussion, then I will adjourn the meeting. Have a good night.